0: Thursday, May the 18th, 2023. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. We have a fun one for you. This is our Preakness episode where we'll preview the Preakness. We'll talk about some of the Saturday races on the Preakness card with Angela Herman. We talk about races 10, 11, 12, and 13 for Pimlico for Saturday. We also get into some of the Friday card. Matt DeSantis and Barry Spears join me. We normally have our weekly edition of This Week in Stable Duel on Friday mornings, but we recorded it a little bit early this week, so I took the audio and I'm going to play it right on here. You can get some best bets from both of us, uh, actually from all three of us, myself, Barry Spears, Matt DeSantis, for Friday and Saturday at Pimlico. We'll also get into NBA with Eric. We talk about the conference finals matchups right now in the NBA. Chad Cooper joins for this week in wrestling. We'll get you some Friday Santa Anita, some Saturday Santa Anita, some Saturday Louisiana, some Sunday Louisiana. Three days worth of racing, different racetracks, a bunch of guests, Let's get into it all right now. And we're going to kick things off with NBA with Eric. We're going to talk about the conference final matchups right now happening. We've got the Celtics and the Heat. We've got the Lakers and the Nuggets. Let's talk about these two series that both have had one game so far as the time of this recording. Had a few weeks of the NBA where we haven't uh, checked in with Eric. And it's not because we're not talking NBA. It's because we're talking NBA every single day on Fast Break Bets shows, and I've been promoting those on the podcast, Eric, but it's nice to have you back after a, a few weeks where it feels like we haven't uh, talked on the podcast. We've talked every single day. we gotta we got to discuss the conference finals now because there's only four teams left in the NBA. We've seen one game from each of the series so far as we record on Thursday afternoon. Some of you might be listening to this by the time they've already played the second game of Lakers and Nuggets. But uh, we can sort of start there with the Lakers and the Nuggets. The point spread in game one was six, and that's where the game ended. Denver came out with a big punch. They looked like they were running the Lakers off the floor early. Lakers made some adjustments. They cut the game down to three late. And so it it sort of was a good kind of back-and-forth feeling out game. Denver was much better first half. Lakers were much better in the second half. A lot of intrigue heading into game two because you could see a bunch of adjustments that were already being made and we can play like in our head, we can play out even more adjustments that both of these teams have to make.
1: Yeah. It's going to be really interesting to see. Um, Obviously moving AD to the rover position was a great, in game move from Darvin Ham I'm not going to lie I didn't know that Ham had that in had that skill yet you know to kind of take a step back and see what's going on during the game um Denver was far enough ahead where the move you know what I mean Malone's lack of adjusting where Aaron, Aaron Gordon was standing didn't cost them yeah the uh the game but it's going to be interesting to see you know recording this before game 2 What's the big move that Aaron Gordon, where is he going to be positioned? Is there going to be more Michael Porter Jr. minutes at the four? What is going to be Malone's move on the chessboard? Um, along with that, what does Ham do? Does he have Reeves or Russell come off the bench that way Roy could start? Because my one worry would be if I'm Ham, I don't want to let Joker get a hot hand and start feeling it right from Absolutely. the get That would be my big thing. Um, You know, it's kind of, it it is though, like when you just kind of look at the box score, I mean, the Lakers who... They shot
0: well. They they they, shot well. Everything in the box looked good for the Lakers, right? It was just the, that all came late versus for Denver, it came early and then the adjustments were what what made it a close game.
1: I mean, you had AD 40 points. You had Reeves 23 points making five, three pointers. It's like, you have two ways of looking at it. If you're, if, if you're in the Lakers, you can be like, we shot the ball that well and we still lost or, Hey, you know what? We didn't really make a push until the second half. We did a exactly. great job of weathering and the storm. So it's kind of what, like, what I love Eric, not to, not to
0: jump on wise. you, but just cause you're hitting on this. I love that both teams probably feel pretty good about where they came out of game one in that, Denver feels like they have adjustments they can make that. Well, you know, the Lakers shot pretty well. They're probably not going to shoot this clip from three every game or this well. And then the Lakers may think, you know what? This may be a series where we do shoot better and are better offensively because Denver's not the most stout defense, but Denver's best defense is their incredible offense. They just overwhelm you with Jokic. I So I don't know who's right. I will
1: say this. I felt though that the, I hate the term effort, but I felt that Denver's defensive effort, maybe that was just the adrenaline of the game one. It's going to be interesting to see how it looks tonight.
0: Was way better. Um,
1: Was way better. They're way Way more locked in, way more lively. Especially
0: early. First half. So
1: it's, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. Does that carry over? Is that just a game one pump up from the, um, from them? So
0: the Lakers looked like a point that you've been making a team that was a little tired. Like it looked like, when the lakers would make a run or two then their bodies would get a little tired because it's hard to sustain that at that altitude when you're not used to it so at that elevation you can make a run and then your sprints where you normally wouldn't get tired you get you get a little bit more winded you know and that impacts how you're playing throughout so i i'm really interested in this series i think it's a fascinating one and i honestly do think that these two teams are the teams that have played the best throughout the playoffs. I think you and I were pointing that out. Like they just feel like they've been the best teams so far overall. And I've been impressed with the Lakers. I thought they could win a series or two. And I really did think coming into the playoffs that with the right matchups, they could beat each team in front of them. And they, like you said, Darvin Ham has grown. LeBron has reached down a couple times when I wasn't sure if LeBron had any left and he's pulled out. Some of those LeBron games, Anthony Davis, after a little bit of up and down offensively early, he's been a lot steadier now over his last four or five games where you sort of really feel like you're going to get that good game from him most of the time. I, It does feel like one of those series that if you get your stars playing well, it'll come down to which of the role players can step up more consistently. Is it going to be more of the KCPs, Michael Porter juniors, Bruce Browns, like we saw in game one, can Austin who played well in game one, can he sustain that? Can you get another, you know, can you get a another Rui game? Can you get a Lonnie Walker game? Can you get a D'Angelo game? It's it's, those are the groups of guys that I think, and in I mean, this particular also Bruce, series, right?
1: Bruce Brown, Brown plays great. You know, yeah, he's points, 16, awesome. He's a great role 16, player. four and two in twenty four minutes. Um, you know, and then also, you know, we kind of talked about it. The the thing, another thing, I kind of look at the series is this: is right now there's the ear infection illness that is going through the Denver Nuggets locker room. I feel like, as crazy as it sounds, like for Los Angeles to win this, I feel they need to really win this. In six games, because I feel if this goes seven games, short rest, Nuggets going to finally be healthy. Because Game seven in Denver. A lot, of, Denver. Them sick. A lot yeah. of them are sick right now. And you have Reeves, AD, and LeBron playing. Like LeBron playing close to Huge 40 minutes. Huge minutes. Those, those other two playing over 40 minutes, playing in altitude. You're going to get tired. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that these guys are – out of shape and not well conditioned, it's just. No, I mean we so we saw Jokic such end. a short winner. Yes, Jokic was getting tired at the end so of it.
0: You know what I mean in the second yeah. half because he was yeah. playing so hard and so yeah. amped. Right there, you come out at game one at home in the Western Conference Finals. Jokic was just like a madman to start, yeah. and then late it, you could tell it. It weighs on you, and I completely agree with you. Like I could the Lakers still win a series if they lose this game tonight? Yes. Would I, as a fan, would I think it was like the end all be all if they lost? No, but the, the gambler in me and honestly in my heart, I think they need to win this game tonight to win the series. I really do. Like I think they need to take game two and then they could even lose one of the games at home. Like I'm not even saying that they can't win another game at Denver, but just I think in these really tough series, the back and forth. I don't know if you want to get down two games. I really don't. Yeah,
1: I think. Yeah, like I think, like I, we talked about on Fast Break, Breaths, um today. I think whoever wins this year, this game is going to be the front runner to win the um, to win the championship. It's going to be. I don't know. It's going to be an interesting series. Um, I think Porter is a little bit. Um, under the radar, I think he should be playing a little bit more. As I previously said, KCP has been great um, playing his playing his role. If he's able to knock down jump shots, I just think I just think you just kind of look at Denver. If they are shooting that well, it's gonna be really hard for Absolutely. the Lakers. When, when
0: Porter and Murray, I think those are the two guys, like Porter, Murray, KCP, those guys are out on the court. If they're all hitting multiple threes, we're in serious trouble. Just serious, yeah. like serious trouble for the Lakers because that what are you what are you supposed to do then? Like, how are you supposed to defend them if you can't play Jokic one on one? Like you have to help on Jokic. And if you help off of the other guys and all of them are making their open threes. And even like, you know, what's scary about that is that you give Porter and Murray a couple open threes, then they start making contested threes. Like, right. Those guys can quickly become tough shot makers, which is not what you want as a Laker fan. Like you don't want Michael Porter jr hitting threes with guys in his face because when he's hitting the bad shots, then you're seriously in trouble. That's one of his biggest weaknesses, like shot selection, right? Yeah. Like decision-making. When when he's just letting it rip, you're in trouble because you're not going to slow Jokic down that much. Murray's going to get his, and KCP's going to be a nice sniper out there if he's wide open. No, KCP's not going to score 20 a game, but there's a reason why KCP is a 40% three-point shooter, you know, and he's even better at wide open threes in, in the corners. Like, he's... He knows that shot. He hits that shot. He's comfortable with that shot. And uh I, yeah, I, I mean, I do feel like just like you were saying, whoever wins this game has that major advantage for the title. And these feel like the two teams in the West based on the rosters they had, they were the most deserving to be here with how we've seen them play uh, with Denver and with the Lakers. And as a, yeah, a Lakers fan, I'm, I'm happy and I'm excited that we've got a shot and uh, we'll know a lot in the next few hours as of uh, what happens in in game two. You and I had a couple plays in game two, but we didn't really play a side. It was funny. In game one, you played the Nuggets. I played the Lakers. It was a six-point spread, and uh, neither one of us lost. So that, that, that worked six. out okay. Yeah, landed right um, on six there.
1: It's Yeah, I will say this, though. If Denver loses tonight, Los Angeles right off of the openers, first half and game is an absolute hammer spot. you got to take that. Look to lock that in. Um, and then what AD shows up. Yeah. Because um, you know, he's got to like, be tired too, be, right?
0: Like you said, that's a big game for him. Those 40 points. Like defending well, it's Jokic. it's also
1: like so much defensive pressure on him. Like AD is in incredible shape. But if, again, if you're playing in Denver and it's 40 minutes and you're counted on to get over 25 minutes to make the game competitive, you're leaning on you offensively. But yet also – we're leaning on you defensively to be the rover. That's an insane amount of pressure.
0: Man, you're, so, I'm I'm glad I'm glad you pointed that out because I don't think enough people give him credit for that. Nationally, I don't think enough people understand, man, this guy doesn't take a playoff on defense. Like not yeah. one playoff. He contests every shot, he goes after everything. He gets switched onto smalls. He like he has to help And he takes it seriously. He does. There are very few players that take it so seriously on defense every single time. And Um, honestly, when you think about the guys that get thrown around in the defensive player of the year conversations like the last couple of years who who it's been, Jackson, really good defender. Marcus Smart, really good defender. Honestly, there's two guys in the entire league that are well above everybody else when they want to be the best defensive player it's Giannis and Anthony Davis. And that's it. Like they're, those yeah. two guys are in such a different league of, from everybody else, as far as how they impact the game defensively, how many guys they can switch out on what they can do, the different things they can do. And if for Giannis, it's a little bit more raw for Anthony Davis. I don't think people give him credit for how smart he is too. He's a really smart defensive player. Like his, his positioning, he's always in the right place. Like last night, I think he had two fouls at the end of the game. You know how hard it is to play a game like that against Jokic to defend the way he defends, to challenge and contest everything and to only have like two fouls at the especially end of, 40, with how bad the 40
1: of the game. Forty minutes. Especially with how bad like first half I thought was a the- great officiated game they're laying in play second half i thought there was on both sides i thought there was a little yeah and,
0: and the lakers easier. got away with a little bit more little. in the second half well, I'm, not, they were I'm, now. Not, I'm not even saying that I'm but you're right it I was
1: just, just i just think was a little bit more different of an eager a lot more was being whistled absolutely Then there the, was in the first half so the, I mean, the that, energy
0: of the pretty, game was way different in the first important. half it flowed the game moved really fast in the first half like they weren't the whistle just wasn't they swallowed the whistle, which is fine. I'm fine with that because it was consistent on both sides. And then in the second half, it was a drudge. It was just, yeah. it was like, like you no know, quicksand, like moving through. So let a look at the Western conference uh, finals. Anything else you want to mention about that one before we move over to the East, Eric?
1: Um, no, hopefully my Denver twenty to one can live on for one more round, my friend.
0: Man, that's a, that was a great call. It was a great play. And the the one thing that we were very correct on and that I I hope that if anyone's listened to you and I, the last few years is I think some of the best calls that we've ever made are not necessarily even teams that we've picked to win. It's the really popular teams that we've faded. Yeah. I think that's what you and I do really well as gamblers. Like right away when that Brooklyn team was put together with Kyrie and KD, you and I said, they're never going to win. We said yep. it right away. When Harden went over there, we said it wasn't going to happen. You've been all always anti-Philly. When they were one of the, the favorites to win the title, you were always anti-76ers. Immediately, when they traded for Durant, you and I right away said the Suns are not going to win. Right away. Um, so, like, a lot of these teams that everybody jumps on and thinks are going to be these super teams, what I think we look more at depth like in football, you're a big fan of offensive and defensive lines. So someone makes a big trade for a quarterback and a splash, but they haven't improved their offensive line. It's not going to help them. Right. And everybody just thinks that it will. Uh, I think we both look at things a lot similar in that way. And, you know, we, again, with the warriors, another one, where from the very beginning of the year with the punch right off the bat, we felt like something was up with them. They didn't. and, And the fact that they kept, losing on the road. They were such a bad road team all throughout the year, historically bad. So again, we're not always going to be right, but I think a lot of the times those teams that we're fading feels like we're on the right side because I feel good about how we handicapped the NBA playoffs again this year. Like most of the teams that we weren't high on haven't gone very far.
1: No. And you know, hopefully we can, uh, you know, keep it going, keep it headed in the right direction. Um, I'm looking at some numbers right now. If you do think the Lakers are gonna win the series, there is a plus four seventy five for the Lakers to win four two out there. I would definitely um, yeah, definitely look look to hit that in. because um,
0: again, for the Lakers, um, you want to win that,
1: yeah, you want to win it at at Staples or yeah, it's uh, You just don't want to go back game seven, yes, yeah, um I will say this though, that uh, one of the things I like to do and I hear a lot of stuff is try to get uh, out ahead of things. Um, you know, we kind of talked a little bit about the NBA draft and one of the interesting things about the NBA, NBA draft is what Portland is going to do with the three pick. Now there's a lot of um, scuttlebutt going around that, you know, it's been 10 years since the Sixers have drafted Embiid. Now, what are they doing? Are they going to look to move him, you know, hit the hard reset, one of the big rumors that has been going on is that Lillard and at Lillard to Philly. Well, what about Embiid to Portland? Portland has Sharp, who's a good young player. They have Simmons, who's a good young player. And they have this three pick, which is probably realistically going to be Scoot Henderson. Cause I don't think the Hornets are going to draft Scoot Henderson. Cause they have LaMelo ball. Portland's like a hundred to one right now to win it all. I mean, Portland, um, having Embiid and having Willard now, granted, I'm not an Embiid guy, but they, should, if those two pair up together, that should not be a hundred to one. If you put it in now, it's a small investment, and then you, could, you get it's an easy hedge out because that team will make the playoffs. So that's just where my an easy, an early future look, excuse me.
0: Eric, let's head over to the east and let's talk a little bit about Miami and Boston. And honestly, the thing about Boston is while they have won two series so far. They haven't looked impressive in either one of them, honestly. No. They struggled in a few games with Atlanta when they really shouldn't have. Atlanta was a team that we were thinking they may blow it up, and Atlanta was a play-in team. And they even had to deal with Atlanta without DeJounte Murray for a game. Defensively, Boston really struggled in that series, and they looked like a team with a new coach. Then in the Philly series, they lose game one at home. They lost twice at home in that series. They were down by four in game six when Philly was about to to win the series. And then Jason Tatum goes crazy. He has an incredible fourth quarter, and he scores 50 in game seven. Even with that, it was a three-point game at halftime. So Boston has struggled to get by Atlanta, struggled to get through a Philadelphia 76ers team that has a combination of some of the worst playoff performers in NBA history. That's not a joke. That's not hyperbole. Joel Embiid, as Eric pointed out on NBA Fast Break Bets the other day, Joel Embiid is the only MVP, I think, to not make the conference finals. Is that right?
1: Uh, yeah, only MVP not to make the conference finals. And he had the biggest downgrade in points in the regular season. to points, the, per um, yeah, points per game
0: average in the playoffs. Yeah, points
1: per game average. Um, Doc
0: has lost the most game sevens of anyone. James Harden's not been to an NBA. He went when he was young, right? With the, with the OKC, I think like, but he hasn't as the main, as a stud, been back like to the finals. I'm, they were sitting so pretty after halftime in in game six, where it looked like they were about to win. And then the wheels fall off and then you fire Doc. But all, all that being said, that to me, that just—I'm not impressed with Boston beating that team. I, I think most teams would have beaten them. You and I would have probably picked a lot of teams over Philly in a series. And so Boston having to go through seven games. And Boston now in their last 22 home games, they are 11 and 11. Eric, I—I I, uh, read this stat earlier on uh, on Fast Break Bets. The four teams left in the playoffs right now. The Nuggets are eight and zero in their home games. The Lakers are six and zero in their home games. The Heat are six and zero, and the Celtics are four and four. This is crazy.
1: Wow. And I mean, my thing, main thing about the Celtics, and I mean, I don't know if those remember, but I would always talk about how the ball would stick in Tatum's and Brown's hands. You know, I'm just looking at right now. Right now, last year, Brown had 11 games where he – excuse me, not Brown. Tatum had 11 games where he shot over 20 shots per game in the game. Right now, basically after two playoff series, two playoff series in a game, he's had 12 games where he's shot over 20 shots. So already after all those games last year, and they did play – They played a lot of games last year. They went, um, you know, game six in the finals, right? Yeah. Yeah. They went, well, no, they went five with Brooklyn, seven with Miami, that's 12, seven with Miami, that's 19, and six. So they played 24 games last year, if my math is right. And he only had over 20 shots in 11 games. This year, they have played what? They went six six and seven, so 13, 12 out of 13 games, he's gone over 20 shots. I mean, that, you know, the only, and the only game he didn't was that game two that they won where he only played 19 minutes because he got into early foul trouble. So the ball is just sticking. And, and like, you could see like about-
0: Van Gundy was pointing this out in the broadcast yesterday. I think um, it, 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 there's like no flow. It's something to do with Missoula and him and Brown, like the three of them you could see because it's not flowing with them and even late in the game like the heat for most of the game they kind of play like a normal basketball team but then the last 5 minutes of the game every time jimmy butler has the ball
1: and that's right? how it, like like if you're going to play iso that's how it should be and I that's mean, how it should be cutting and all this stuff um shumpert has a has a great clip where um that's going around twitter right now where he talks about lebron when he played with um when he played with cleveland how LeBron noticed something with the way Boston was defending the the person in the corner and LeBron had them run the same exact play for a whole quarter. He wouldn't let them fast break. He would yell, slow it down, run it again. And it was basically just a high post with a cut. And that's movement that you're getting everyone engaged. You're making everyone on the other team work defensively they're not doing that with Boston like you have to like if butler is guarding brown and Tatum is holding the ball in the third and second quarter and you're not making brown work def- not brown um butler work defensively cuz he's guarding brown you're allowing Butler to get some lift and some jump shots you got to be rolling people you got to be making people run um this Heat team is banged up always banged up Martin's banged up and you're just allowing these guys to rest on defense because the ball's sticking in Tatum's hand and it's there's literally zero ball movement. I mean, if you want to do the ISO stuff at the end of the game, yeah, that's fine. That's what most teams do. The last five minutes, their best one-on-one player goes to work or it's a pick-and-roll with your best two. But early on in the game, I mean, he's just putting his head down and getting to the rim and it's overall hurting the team defensively. Is he putting up good numbers? Yeah, but I mean... It's not doing anything to elevate them to that next level.
0: You can just get a feel that it's not great there with with them. And it's just a combination of things like um, Brown. And now now Brown's, his wrist looks seriously hurt. They were talking about on the broadcast yesterday, he was bleeding. They were having a tough time, like keeping, um, like stopping the blood to get him back out there. And he was like moving it around a lot. He missed a couple free throws. He turns the ball over. What did Butler have six, turn- six steals in that game? Yeah. like He's just, he was, re- he looked like this incredible, like defensive back. He was just reading every play. And I think they even made like, a uh, um, they made like NBA has some fantastic announcers right now. Like we're at, we're at a pretty good point for some of like the lead announcers are really, really good. Uh, Breen is fa- really good. A lot of them are, uh, yeah, an Eagle or guys that do both, you know, uh, football and basketball too. So we get used to hearing them call games and man, I Boston's the better team there. Let me say, let me get this straight. They're the more talented team. They're deeper. They have more talented players. They have more options. They have not been playing like the better team. Miami is way more confident than they are. And I, I swear, Eric, in with this particular matchup, there's something like Miami just thinks they can beat Boston.
1: And the thing is someone sent me this text message and it pisses me off after I got this text message, he goes, think of how many championships the Bucks would have if they had Spolstra. And it's kind of mind boggling. Like when you kind of just kind of put that out there, Um, what he's able to do and the sets he's able to come up with are insane. But the same guy sent me a text message saying that, the Heat look as good as they do because Hero's not there. Hero kind of has the same effect as Tatum. Obviously, I'm not comparing the two players because, I mean, that's ludicrous. Tatum's at a whole different atmosphere. But when Hero's there, the ball does kind of stick a little bit early on in the game. There's a lot of dribbling from him. It's not as free moving, not as many cutters. And his thing was like, look, our offense is moving better. We don't have a liability on defense now. We – are playing better basketball without Tyler Hero, even though we're not having a better basketball player on the court. So it's kind of interesting. It makes you wonder what would happen with uh, with all that.
0: Eric, you and I, uh, yeah, we just we haven't. This isn't like it was something that came out of nowhere. We haven't been that impressed with Boston for a while, and there are there are concerns. Again, if they play. To their ceiling. To if Boston comes out and for some reason flips a switch and they play the best possible version of basketball, they're gonna beat the Heat. Oh, yeah. They're gonna beat the Heat. Like they're the better team, they have more options, they're deeper. They just haven't played that way in a long time. It it's so rare to see them play good as a team, as a whole. It's like like you said, oh, I mean, Tatum's like... good. Tatum had a great game, or Brown had a great game, or Derek White you know had a good game here he's really struggled after that first series and like he said then there becomes this weird dynamic with Tatum and Brown and then Marcus Smart goes oh hey I'll take the shots like then he sort of steps in and yeah that's good and bad because sometimes you you want a guy to take big shots but sometimes you don't want it to be smart it would be better if it was Tatum running running well I mean like
1: you have to have the thing that's why Jay Crowder the ultimate guy when he had his heyday in the NBA because he was a tough defender and smart's kind of in the same mindset. Tough defender and he can um he's not afraid to step up and hit that jump shot. So I don't know it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting what Boston does just because they have the better talent. They just don't have the better it's, coach. It, Is Missoula it, gonna be able yes. to to get the best together. out of his players. And also like, look, we need to remember it's something that kind of gets lost in the mix with everything that Spolstra has done. He has Pat Riley right there. So, I mean, like Riley could come up with something. The best, the best, Um, I have two phenomenal Spolstra stories. The first one is LeBron walks in his room and this is when he first started coaching. Remember, this is when Spolstra first started coaching. And LeBron starts talking everything down. You know, we need to start doing this. We need to start doing this. We need to start doing this. Spolster gets up after LeBron's whole speech, goes up to the whiteboard behind him, writes down Pat Pat Riley's cell phone number, and says, "If you don't want to like what I'm doing, just call this guy, and then he'll he's gonna he's just, all he's gonna do is just tell you to listen to me." Number two is when Butler first got there. He started saying, hey, you know what? He started kind of doing the same things. Hey, I think we should do this. I think we should do this. Now, keep in mind, this is Jimmy Butler, okay? All the stories about Jimmy Butler going into practice with Minnesota, all these stories that are coming out, Butler goes, I think we need to start doing this. I think we should just need to start doing this. Spolstra opens up his desk, takes out one of his championship rings, puts it on his finger, yeah. and goes – when you get one of these, he goes, not like, I will listen to you. He goes, I will consider what you are saying. And then takes the ring off and puts it on. This guy, had, with those two, and like, you can say what you want about him. James of Butler, are two alpha dogs in the yep. game. He completely just alpha dog them right back to saying, hey, you know what? This is what we're going to do. You know, you don't like it. You don't like it. We'll move on. And I mean, that's kind of like his mindset. He's got so much respect and he's just been through these battles and he's able to put his players in position. I mean, just kind of think about what he does with someone like Kyle Lowry. Like I've been a big Kyle Lowry guy for the majority of of his NBA career, especially when he got to, um, when he got to Toronto, like he enters the game and he plays from the 425 mark till halftime okay and then he plays from the 407 mark to the the 446 mark you know he he's just able to put these guys in positions he has it where Caleb Martin is playing like the whole fourth quarter he's rolling you know what I mean like Caleb Martin and Gabe Vitson are playing the whole whole fourth quarter. He's able to stagger these minutes. You know, he, he's getting – he's starting Kevin Love, but then Love exits the game at the 4.07 mark. He doesn't come in. He's, he takes Butler out at the 107 mark of the first period. You know, so you get that minute plus the timeout that happens at the beginning of the second. The second then brings him in after the first media timeout at the 7.10 mark. And then Butler closes the game. So he may have missed five minutes of basketball time. But in reality, he's sitting for like probably 20, 30 minutes, just because he understands how to stagger that and get the most. He's, he's playing checkers while everyone else is, he's playing chess while everyone else is playing checkers. Excuse me,
0: Eric, man, I, I I cannot tell you how impressed I become each and every year with Eric Spolstra more and more and more. Dude, this team was done. This team was done. They were down in the sec. They'd already lost to the Hawks in the play-in. They weren't a good basketball team for a lot of this year. Kyle Lowry was done. A lot of their bench looked done. And this dude somehow finds a way to get them through the Bulls win. And then they, down, then they beat,
1: beat. Down at the three-minute mark. Down at down the three-minute
0: three. mark. And then they beat the crap out of the Bucks. They beat close. the crap out of the Knicks. And in close. game one, they got punched. I went, uh-oh. As someone, like when I was watching that game, it's, you know, you don't want to ever overreact. But when I saw Boston starting to roll a little bit and they got up by like 12 or 13, I went, uh-oh. Maybe it's going to start to come back to life for Miami. You know, like you can't help but think that because you're like, Boston's so much more talented than them. But holy crap, Eric, man, they came right back, punched him right back in the face. He makes adjustments, Spolstra does. And it's just right now, when you're talking about these two teams in this series, Boston has, or Miami has the coach I trust more, the player I trust more, and now they've won home court advantage back after stealing game one.
1: Yeah, it's going to be, Missoula is going to have to put something together he's going to have to put something together that's going to get these guys to buy in. You mentioned what, what's going to be with Brown. Um, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see the dominoes that he's able to pull out. Maybe he talks to Stevens a little bit because we need to remember this guy went from a bottom bench guy. I don't, I mean bottom, like in like the ladder of the pun of the, the railings of the bench to the lead guy. And he has a low level college coaching experience, low level college coaching experience. Now you're in here against the best of the best. I mean, that's that's a tough ask.
0: Eric, appreciate all the help, whether it's football, whether it's basketball. And for all of you basketball fans, you can join me and Eric every single day throughout the rest of the NBA playoffs, Monday through Friday, 5 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time, Saturday and Sunday, noon Eastern time, 9 AM Pacific time. And we're, uh, we're down to just one game a day, basically back and forth with these series right now. It's been a very profitable playoff run for both of us. And as I mentioned, I think the way that we handicap just sports overall, the NBA playoffs is probably one of the best arenas for the way we look at games, because we really like to play against the big trends, um, we like to play for and against regression, right? So these things are a lot, not easy. It's never easy in gambling, but you can get such a good feel for these series when you're watching them every day. You see the adjustments, you know that they're just one day in between and then they make adjustments, they come back. You've done a really great job all throughout the playoffs, man.
1: Thanks, man. Thanks, you have two You know, hopefully uh, we can finish strong and get uh, get the people some more winners.
0: Awesome. I'm going to join you a little bit later on, on your show. So if anyone wants to hear some Preakness chatter, they can do so on Eric's podcast where a lot of times we talk about matchups, um, which is one thing Eric really likes to, likes to do. So Eric, we'll talk some uh, some more basketball, some horse racing, a little bit of everything. I mean, this week alone, we've talked Preakness, NFL schedule, and we previewed every NBA basketball game. So <laughs> we, we dissect it all.
1: We cover everything. Hopefully uh, people are along for the ride.
0: Thank you so much, buddy. Good luck to you. We're going to follow you, Etoff21sports, all over the place, Etoff21 on Twitter. Check out the podcast Tuesday night. The other one comes out late Thursday into early Friday. Eric, have a great weekend, buddy. Good luck with everything.
1: Good luck to you too, man.
0: Thanks so much, folks. Don't go anywhere. Still a lot more to come. Mm-hmm.
2: Racing fans, many of us have been using the DRF, the daily racing form, for years, studying the races, keeping up to date on news with all the articles. I remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store or picking one up at the local racetrack, wherever I was going. Now it's even easier and cheaper than ever to use DRF with DRF.com and the newly optimized DRF mobile. You can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap. Past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to DRF.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. One click to bet now and DRF bets, get real time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse, and you get those same DRF past performances that you're familiar with with a larger font for your mobile display. One click to formulator for charts For replays if you get the formulator version And even on the classic past performances You get the home screen with horses With odds, with buyers You get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph You can rotate your phone for the best view And any horse that you click on You'll see the running lines You can easily move from horse to horse The same data as those traditional Classic DRF past performances You get an interactive format Which is Very similar to the DRF Classic version that you're used to on the desktop. Every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches. And so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone. Cross-device functionality. You can take your notes and save them from one device to the next. And then access your account on any of your devices. On-the-go handicapping and wagering
3: come true no, no no
4: stable do. download the stable duel app and play today
0: daily fantasy contest horse racing Stable Duel. And every Friday morning, we have a preview show to preview the weekend, to talk about which tracks have contests, let you know all the details, and then we give out our best bets for Friday and for Saturday. Normally, we record that on Friday morning at 10 o'clock a.m. Eastern Time. But this week, because there were such big games for Pimlico, for the Black Eyed Susan Day, and for the Preakness Day, we actually already recorded that. On Thursday, I'm going to take the audio from that. I'm going to play it right now. So this is Matt DeSantis, Barry Spears, and myself in our This Weekend in Stable Duel show that was recorded a little bit earlier. We first go through best bets for Friday at Pimlico, and then we talk about some of our best bets for Saturday at Pimlico. All the horses that we give out are five to one and above. It's the no chalk zone right now. Here's a look at This Weekend in Stable Duel.
3: Better, you want to spread your pony knowledge by oh, 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 Better, I got a place where winning ain't tough to do You wanna be cool, stable do Your horse racing fantasy come true
4: download the stable duel app and play today.
0: Big weekend coming up. It is the Preakness, the second jewel of racing's Triple Crown and Pimlico is a Stable Duel racetrack. So that means we have some big money games to play this weekend. This is a very special edition of this weekend in Stable Duel. We're actually recording this one and we're going live a little early. Normally you catch us on Friday mornings at 10 o'clock a.m. Eastern time, but because of the big weekend at Pimlico, Maddie, we know that there are huge games on Friday, huge games on Saturday, Black Eyed Susan Day Friday, Preakness Day Saturday. I know you're going to be heading out there so it just made sense for the schedules and for us to put this out a little bit earlier that way people have more time to listen to watch and to put their stable dual lineups in and start building because both of those games are loaded up and ready you can already start playing your friday and saturday games
5: yeah, absolutely. And tomorrow, you know, if we had done it tomorrow at 10, you know, the first post for the Black Eyed Susan is 1130. So, I mean, you know, we would have still been talking about some maiden claimer down at Gulfstream Park, probably uh, yeah. by the time, yeah. you know, uh, yeah. the, the, post the card started. You're right. <laughs> and uh, but and so... Uh, but, and and also, like you said, I'm heading up there, so I appreciate us doing it a little bit early. Uh, but yeah, we got some we got some nice contests tomorrow on Stable Duel for Black Eyed Susan Day at Pimlico. We got a $50 bankroll builder, which is a double up contest. So if you have a pretty good feeling, listen, 50 bucks, top 40 percent of entries automatically get to 100. You gotta love that because that gives you the money for the next day. Uh, then there's a $50 winner take all. So if you feel really good, go for it. That could be a huge pot. And then there's a $25 uh, contest with a $3,000 pot to entry limit. So uh, a few different options for tomorrow.
0: Myself and Barry have been feeling a little under the weather lately, but Barry, it's going to make us feel so much better this weekend when we just cash all these tickets and we are winning big money in stable duel games. How
4: you doing, my friend? Oh, doing well. You know, we're hungry, so we're going to eat. And yeah. that's going to happen on Friday and Saturday. That is happening. Get ready. Let's
0: do this. Um, big money games to shoot for. And and you sit down and you're doing your handicapping. I think you always need to start with daily racing form DRF. These are the formulator past performances that we always use when, when we're doing our This Weekend in Stable Dual show. And What's great about these, you can actually get these for free when you sign up for a DRF bets account. It's one thing that we all, all talk about is past performances, paying for information, It gets expensive. It gets a lot. When you play with DRF bets right now, if you sign up, if you use the promo code winning and deposit 250, they'll give you immediately a 250 match bonus. So you'll have 500 right away. Then they give you a $10 free bet. So you'll have that free bet on top of it. Then they give you 10 free formulator cards. So the cards that we're looking at today, then every time you bet another 50, you get credit. So if you're betting at DRF bets, Every time you go through 50 bucks, boom, credit for another DRF formulator in your account. So, you know, if you're going to be playing somewhere, you're at least going to be getting rewarded for this. And if you play often, you'll have a bunch of these credits starting to stack up. And then whenever you need them, they're right there to go to. You won't have to pay for them. Check out DRF bets on a big weekend like this weekend. It's a great place to play. Um, Fellas, we're talking Pimlico for Friday. And as we look at our plays for Friday, I believe Matt, you have the first one of the day and that's oh. going to be Friday in race number five. Talk to us about the fifth race and who you're looking to play. It's a second level allowance. It's a five for a long turf sprint.
5: Yeah. And it's for a three-year-old fillies and mares or three-year-old no, fillies and mares, $40,000 optional claimer. And so, Uh, this is one where I really like the number three horse, uh, and that is laugh and play. This is a horse that's 12 to one on the morning line is only going to cost you $750. Uh, so very inexpensive option. If you're building out a stable, here's why I like this horse. You go back and look at those fall turf sprint races they're really nice i mean this is a horse that won several you know broke Absolutely. its maiden in a maiden claimer came up one next time out then won another one three straight on the turf and then stepped up and ran against the morning line favorite in this race american starlet and finished a length and a half back in second place then she goes to the synthetic for the winter basically and you know she runs okay but this is not a clearly a synthetic horse Last time out, she runs at Keeneland on April 7th. Uh, doesn't does doesn't run that great. But here's the interesting thing. If you go and look at the works, Maker put her through a workout three days before that race. That is very unusual. And it's something that I went through and looked. Maker has not done that on any other horse that was on the, this Pimlico card. And she's never had that happen before to her either. Uh, and so part of me thinks they just wanted to get a race in. Before they kind of pointed her towards some next races on the turf calendar, I think she's really live in this spot. And, you know, you have Iradaboard, obviously, to, you know, maker's top choice. And, uh, 12 to 1 on the morning line, $750. I feel like this is a horse that's going to take a ton of money, probably, but, uh, but I, stable duel. Yep. Gladly use this horse on stable duel. Won't cost you a, a bunch
0: on the, uh, you know, cause it's based off the morning line prices. This race has already come back live. Yeah. We saw the runner up come back to win their next start. Her world, the winner of that race is a nice horse. Who's won a couple in a row now. And uh, she's I actually
5: the second choice entered the thing mistakes. Mistakes race. Yeah, yeah. Later
0: in the card. So, yeah. So yeah. just to show you of like, in this race, there was no passing either right. <laughs> for a horse like laugh and play who got away slowly. Again, we're, we're making a bunch of excuses. Another one. It was a good turf course. The yeah. horse may not have liked the turf course, just may not have liked the going of the course that day. There could be a lot of these little excuses built in for a horse who's 12 to one on the morning line and will not cost you a whole lot to use in your stable dual lineup Friday race. Number five at Pimlico for Maddie as uh Barry moves to race number seven. Barry, let's take a look at the, uh, the seventh race here. This one is a mile and a 16th turf race for
4: second level allowance runners. Yes, sir. And I'm going to go to number seven, Cannon's Roar. And this is a stable dual play only because this horse likes to finish second a lot. You'll see that in his, in his past performances. He's, he's finished second 14 times out of 44 lifetime starts. However, this horse is coming in from Tampa and running and knocking heads with some pretty decent horses. And again, finishing second. Um, Back in January, he finished second to a pretty decent field uh, drama course, won that race. He he came back and and did some good things. Um, His last race at Laurel was was pretty decent and sets him up nicely for uh, tomorrow. Uh, He's got some back class. He was running, you know, 100K uh, claimers he should be right there. I mean, there's enough speed for him to run at. Um, the favorite should probably be launching from way back. So I think he's going to be right in the mix. And this is like a prime stable. Duel. This is
0: a, you're right because he's so consistent. And the mm-hmm. reason why he's just going to be a little bit better value is because he doesn't win all that often. That's Correct. really what it comes down to. But if you're just looking at him and playing him off of his speed figures, his numbers, his overall form, his rate, it's all right there with the, the top. It it's, he fits like the, I best mean, of the
4: group. You could even say that race on November 7th that um the, the rider was on him then too, the the one he's getting tomorrow. He may have moved a little too early. I mean, he it's has. not like this horse can't win. He's won at Pimlico, too, which some of these horses really can't say. I think there's one other horse, uh, the one next to him has won at Pimlico. Um so it's not like he can't win this race. Absolutely. But and he, he, he's he's he, definitely right where he should be.
0: Yeah, he doesn't mind settling for some of those minor awards, but he has some legitimate excuses too. This race back here, the mile and an eighth race, he had legitimate trouble that day. Uh, he was checked early and just sort of taken out of the race. Look, he was, you know, ended up being thirteen lengths out of it. He's never that far back. Just put a no. line right through that race. Now, what we've done, you know, we we've made his form look a little bit better by uh, eliminating a few races here and there. The number seven cannons roar for the sniper in race number seven on Friday over at Pimlico. So uh, we're going to move next to race number nine. I believe me and Maddie have won in the ninth race, Maddie. So uh, this is a stakes race, right? This is the very one. Go ahead, Matt. Tell us who you're looking at in this five furlong
5: turf sprint we should just, this is actually the race that her world uh who we just referenced earlier oh, yeah. is actually the second choice in so yeah. uh just yep. to just to give people context so uh in this one i really like the number 5 thunder and oh, oh, together. Are we, all
6: right there we beautiful. go beautiful beautiful uh,
5: this is. I'm sure Sniper probably picked this one out as my type of horse too, because mm-hmm. uh, lightly raced on the turf and huge perk up. Two career starts on the grass and both really good. Eighty thousand dollar optional claimer at Kentucky Downs and wins that going six and a half furlongs. That is never an easy thing to do. And That's then wheels first back. exactly i mean that's a really tough thing to do and
0: what's kind of funny is you could see they tried to get this horse on the turf three different times yep before that and they were all rained off a sloppy track at churchill a wet track at churchill and then again at churchill turf races off the turf finally got to the turf and guess what oh yeah the horse is pretty good on the turf
5: yeah and he and what's what's great is he backed that up next time out With a second place in a grade three Franklin uh, uh, to Caravelle, who, you know, goes on to win the Breeders' Cup turf sprint. Um, And we always talk about that bounce that usually happens to horses after Kentucky Downs takes a little something out of them to see him come back and run that well second time out increase in speed figures obviously now coming back from a long layoff, but here's the thing actually he broke his maiden coming off an even longer layoff. So yep. I know the horse can fire off a layoff. So, uh, I, you know, six to one on the morning line, I think there might be some speed that burns people out up front in this Absolutely. race. Absolutely. Uh, and, and so I, you know, even though it is a five and a half furlong sprint, you usually go with the speed of the speed, but horses like spicy margin, very one, I feel like are going to burn each other out. I really like thunder and creed to come running late,
0: you know, um, and just to kind of piggyback on a few of your points. So, the layoffs don't bother me as much with horses with this type of running style, right? Yep. Because she's only going to have to run about a quarter of a mile in here. Like we we know <laughs> yeah. what she's going to do. She's going to sit back. She's going to wait and she's going to launch the late rally and she's going to press the button. It's not as if she's going to be out carving out the fractions on the front end and then get a little bit tired late. If they just time it perfectly with her. She will come running late because there is a lot of speed in here to look at, Maddie. And especially when you look towards the outside, this is a point that Barry makes often. When you see speed horses drawn to the outside, it's even more likely that those horses have to go. Spicy Marg, Her World, who we just talked about. They have to go get the candy. They have to go. So all three of those horses, they're really pushing the pace and making sure it's fast. Then you look down inside and you've got the one whiskey and rye who has to go from the rail this horse is coming out of a four and a half furlong Charlestown race, two starts back like really quick horses. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, you know, it feels like they're going to be going fast in here. I think it sets up beautifully for thundering creed. Just eliminate that last race. It was, on a synthetic track, and, you know, it was his ninth race in a row. Actually, 11th, right? Because he had run nine races yeah. this year. And he basically started his campaign in November of 2021, and he didn't have mm-hmm. any breaks. Nope. All the way through. I say he, she, this five-year-old mare. So she fits really well. I think that yeah. she's going to get the trip. Lots of pace to run at. Uh, fresh doesn't bother us. The number five, thundering creed for me and Maddie in the very one. So Matt, I believe we, uh, we'll both, uh-oh, here we go. We both uh-oh. go right next door again uh-oh. to uh-oh. race number 10, Doubles. the Miss Doubles. Freakness. Barry has a couple more coming in the 11th and the 13th. I'll start this one out, Matty. Yeah. Um, before. again, just from a, a pure stable dual standpoint and from a horse who I would w- like to include in some multi-exotics, I'm going to the number four in here. Yes! Afternoon noon it again. We do it one
3: more time. What? We do it one more
0: time. So- Looking oh at man, I wish tea. you
4: had that that song. You could just play it right now. I
0: know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, afternoon tea debuts on a sloppy track at Oakland Park, and the debut race was actually very good. There, yeah. uh, he um, she came back to win that race, but the runner-up Donnie also came back to win that race, and the race was won by a wire to wire winner. So there was no passing in that race. It was a good performance. First time out over a sloppy track career start. Number two. I just, I love the the whole race because she was fat. She was right with the leaders from post 12, but then a couple others were going too fast. So Pratt just takes her back a little bit. She was, she responded beautifully. She just sat back when he moved again, she moved. Then she looked a little bit When she loomed up, she kind of waited when she hit the front, but she dug in again late. I think she'll get a really nice trip in here, Maddie. I just sort of like the way she's progressed, and if she can take one more step forward in here, I think it'll be a really nice spot for her. Obviously, key of life is the horse to beat, and that's where Pratt goes. He was aboard her in the grade two Beaumont, so I'm not worried about Pratt not being on her instead of the even-money favorite, and she gets Irad Ortiz Jr. to jump aboard.
5: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, obviously that some people say that's a jockey upgrade. Uh, And so, uh, but I would say, the other thing is, much like the last race we just talked about, it's possible that Key of Life and Maple Leaf Mel, the second choice, burn each other out up front. The as shape well. of the race. And that's the shape of the race. They both want the lead. They both need the lead in a lot of instances. They're both going to gun it. And so, afternoon teens is just going to sit off of that. I think there's every expectation to think this horse can take another step forward from a speed figure standpoint. And I wouldn't be surprised if there's a little bit of regression from a speed figure standpoint for the two favorites. And so if you just equate that all of a sudden, she's right there. and makes a ton of sense, I think, in this race. I think she gets the trip. Uh, and from a stable duel standpoint, uh, eight to one on the morning line, only going to cost you $3,000 in your stable. Absolutely feel like a must play here.
0: The six Maple Leaf Mel is very quick. Like the, the seven's not as quick as some of the others, but she wants to be close. It's not like yeah. she wants to come from way out of it. The five is really fast. It wouldn't be a shock to see them try to push the pace. They couldn't keep up with Key of Life last time. I could see them try to even be more aggressive because... Leon is probably more aggressive than Bejarano. Bejarano not very aggressive as a rider overall. He's right. more of like, likes to sit a little bit more. The rail horse has speed also uh, L street lady. They could be going very quick and setting it up nicely for the number four afternoon tea. So two for two for me and Maddie <laughs> on uh, on the Friday card, as we move to race 11 Barry, you have one in here. I have one in here. Uh-oh. I'll let you uh I'll let you lead the way though. Tell us who you're looking at in race number 11.
4: Yeah, you know, um this is a really interesting race the Hilltop 100K going a mile on the turf. Um I ended up on the Chad Brown horse number 3 spray. Okay, we're different places here, but That's I nuts. this horse
0: is a player for sure, for sure. Yeah,
4: I I I was I was at Tampa that day this horse ran and and just just flat out embarrassed that field. Um you know, not that there was any world beaters are in there, but it was clear that this race was going to be a stepping stone to something else. And this is where this horse lands. And, you know, comparatively, um, she'll have to step up and, and run better, but she's very well capable of doing that. Um, one other thing I like to note, and, and, you know, I'm sure a lot of horse players will are going to like to hear this, but I, I, I tend to like to see when, irad ortiz lands on horses with speed he is not a good speed rider i don't I don't know how else i can say it um other than that and he fumbles the bag every time like it he almost, goes too fast almost, or he keeps yes, the others speed. in the race and i mean makes... you even saw it on derby day with um <clears throat> Money's uh money's gold couldn't rate the God. horse enough <laughs> yeah and he just did the wrong thing and and he did it uh, I think it was a, a little bit later in the card. He did the same thing and got beat. I, I honestly, I, I could see this running one, two, three, 3 in, in any of the order, like those three numbers: the one, the two, and the three. Breathaway um, has Rosario, who's just been off. His timing's been off. Everything's been off, and this horse is going to be way back. And I think a spray out of all these horses can be placed in the right spot is on the rise. He won't be eight to one, unfortunately. Um, but he's definitely in the right spot yep. and th- this is, this is go time.
0: I, I almost use this horse as a stable dual play. And he's definitely, she's definitely in, in the mix for me and, you know, any type of late exotics that I'm playing. The one who I got to was the number seven, hang the moon. So if we look at her form overall, so both of her, like, all of her dirt races kind of make sense. In her debut, she ran against a horse named dreaming of snow, Barry you actually yep. know this horse. This is the yes, horse uh, over at Tampa that beat wonder wheel and Julia shining at 38 to one and upset the sun coast. This is a decent horse. And actually she ran into Money's gold last time. So she's faced some nice ones. Uh, that was in the career debut at colonial following that hang the moon breaks her maiden. Then in her third career start, she runs into pretty mischievous and the alleys look, <laughs> we saw pretty mischievous just come back and win the Kentucky Oaks. And, and this was a strong race, um, also so her dirt form isn't bad unfortunately she just wins one of her first three races and the other two she you know faces really tough company then she tries the turf and we look at her two turf races first time on the turf she wins nicely at fairgrounds in a non-two and then on march the 11th she hops at the start she settles inside she's fourth and she got stuck inside behind horses. And as the race slowed down, she just kept getting shuffled farther back and farther back. And she ended up losing all this positioning. She sort of was looking for room. She was full of run and she kept having to alter course late. And it sort of dulled her run late. I think she fits got pretty well in this group. Honestly, if you're just sort of looking at speed figures, she fits on talent. I think she's got ability. And that turf course at fairgrounds this year was a little funky. You know, like you just, You don't know some of the times and how they stack up. And I, I think there's something here with her. I love the fact that Tyler Gafflione jumps aboard and Michael Stidham is one of those barns that I love playing his turf horses. Like they're always ready. They're always well spotted. He doesn't get played and hammered all that much. Like some of the bigger barns might, and he can beat some of the big barns
4: with good horses.
0: I like this one in
4: here. I know I'm going to catch a little flack for not picking CJ's horse, but
0: Yeah. (laughs) shout out to cj thoroughbreds here hang the moon feel like this one's live cj hang the moon A little bit of a freshening look feels like just feels like a good spot for this horse hang the moon with uh with tyler aboard so that's a look at race number 11 on black-eyed susan friday believe matt is done for friday barry you have one more in the 13th So let's talk about the black eyed Susan and we'll all share a thought or two on that. In case you missed it last night, we had the black eyed Susan Preakness draft. It's the second year we've been doing this. Now, Matt set it up. It was a really great idea, Matt. And I think anyone that's watched the drafts that you've done the last couple of years, they enjoy them. It's, there's a lot of fun because everybody sort of gets everybody gets it. Everybody gets the whole idea (laughs) of we're just drafting the field and we get to really, um, and they it, it, at each it,
5: other and it, have, have a good time. Right. Yeah. And it makes it a little bit different from, even though we use stable dual scoring, it obviously makes it different from stable dual and that in stable dual, Barry and I can use the same horse. If we like the same horse, that's not a big yeah. deal, but in the draft, like everybody's got to kind of stake their claim. Sometimes you accidentally draft Hoosier Philly way too early and, and things kind of blow up in your face in terms of your team. But those things happen sometimes. And, uh, you know, uh, but we, but we talked about, uh, you know, we talked about those fields with our friend Caleb Knight and, uh, yeah, this is a good one. So I'm interested. I, I think I know where Barry's going Me here too. based upon his oh, comments last week. We got it before, real quick, real quick, know.
0: Yeah. real quick, we have to – well, we can't just skip right over without pulling him up and saying oh. hello to one of our early friends. We just got to give him a wave. Law professor. Law yeah. professor. One of, the, one of our first early buddies that we all picked together a couple times, and I think it was back here in the, sand, uh, in the Mathis Mile. I think they were back-to-back. Oh, yeah. back. It was Del Mar. Yep. And then he came back again right after and we had him both of these times because he was good prices. I think he was about eight to one here. Yep. Then he was like six to one here and he got bet down. He went off at four. And we've just been a big fan of this horse all along. So I will this be is taking like,
5: pictures and sending to you guys. Please oh, do. Yeah, yeah. This That's is right. one of our yes. so, yeah.
0: This is one of our group horses that we all, all right. have we all root yeah. for.
4: We all love. So when he retires is gonna be the yeah. Stable duel. We'll got we'll have the pictures. <laughs> Sponsored by we'll, law professor babies. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna say we'll have the law
0: <laughs> professor si- exactly, exactly. So uh let's get into uh, the black eyed Susan though, Barry, and uh talk to us about this one.
4: Yeah, if anybody watched uh the the draft last night, they, they definitely know that I'm really high on the horse that I'm picking here, Sacred Wish, the one um, I, I just think this is just the prime spot for this horse. It, you know, there's really not, you know, if you can get past Faiza. Um, everybody it's, else it's, is in the same group. Right. It's her and,
0: and everybody else, same tier.
4: Right. And, and you know, Faiza could be as advertised for sure. Um, but stable do wise, this horse fits to a T and could win. I mean, it, it, you know, there's there's enough speed in here. There, there could be somebody like Toehead or maybe a ball pool that would, you know, wants to to mix it up early. You know, if Miracle was in here, I would say definitely, but there's some questions there on who's going to go. If nobody goes, Faza might have the run of it, but Sacred Wish would still be in an okay spot because this horse is fast enough to be right behind her. And and I think this horse gets the run of the race. Um, You know, if, if she doesn't win, there's only one horse that can beat her.
0: Sacred Wish is in a great spot. she's done nothing wrong in all three of her starts that debut was very good when finishing behind punch bowl and that was on a sloppy racetrack and we've seen there were five horses in this race that won a maiden special weight race in their next start or better because punch because punch bowl already broke the maiden punch bowl won a first level allowance and then went in and finished second in the grade one ashland um the others, unsung melody, sacred wish—they all won maiden special weights in their next start. Even Cecile down here won a maiden special weight, as did Exponential Star. So um, then went into a stakes race and finished
5: third. That was shout a loaded, out to, shout out to shout out to that horse. That horse made me a yeah. ton of money when it broke its maiden. <laughs> so, <laughs> it a loaded, uh, loaded yeah. group, and then uh, then
0: wins, yeah. and then comes back and it was a good second in the Gulfstream Park Oaks. Barry, I think she's like from a stable duel standpoint. Upside. Yeah, she's she's the one. Maddie, I mentioned yesterday uh, with the at the draft, I thought, I don't have a problem with Merlaza. If someone's no. looking for an up, upside horse who her debut, she missed by a head. She's won three races since. She's gradually shown some improvement. She's not a whirl beater or like wows you with her speed figures, but she's steady. And that's sort of what this race has become, right? The black-eyed yeah. Susan is more of like the steady, steady fillies that are just a cut below.
5: Yeah, I mean, if you think about last year, Interstate Daydream kind of fit that uh, description yep, yep. as well. Just kind of a steady Philly who's not going to wow you, but it's just going to be solid and kind of get there. Um, I Listen, I, I'm not going to argue with Barry. I, I absolutely love Sacred Wish in the spot too, as, uh, particularly as a stable dual play. I think she's really, really good. Um, I will give a shout out to Taxed as well, who I think is yeah, actually an interesting stable shot. dual play as well, just because she won't cost you hardly anything. I think breaking from the number 10 post, and uh, and you know she's 15 to 1 so she's gonna cost 500 dollars. she's not gonna cost you very much and if you play the game of like who have they run against i mean she's been banging heads against the, the post-time oaks favorite. favorite of the oaks favorite uh, of the kentucky oaks and second like two out of the last three times to her right and the only time it wasn't was uh, just uh, absolutely miserable track conditions on the day of the honeybee uh and you know there's a lot of uh, you know this horse has some ability i think and you know has shown some ascendancy and one of the Angles that I know, I certainly played in the Ashland was a horse with like defining purpose. These Oaklawn horses, once they get out of the swamp that has been <laughs> Hot Springs, Arkansas, over the winter, and you get them on a dry, fast track, son of a gun, they run a lot better. Well, and and,
0: so I and think you, you might want to play against some of the ones who really relished that, and maybe right. that was the conditions that they kept taking advantage of. Right? Yep. So.
5: Yep. And I, I think I that's what we saw with wet paint. And then that, now you get, uh, you know, I, I think tax at 15 to one. I think she's going to run her race. And, and I think she's a, a candidate to hit the board for sure at a really big price.
4: So that's my question with with tax. What is her race? I don't I, I mean, I, I really couldn't make heads or tails of. Is she going to go to the lead? Is she going to try to go heads up with Faiza? Or is she going to try to take back? That That was really I, I think my she's only take, reason I, I kind of yeah. shied away from her.
5: I think the jockey tells you everything. I just going to take back uh, a little, yeah. a, a little yeah. bit with Barriano And with how much speed there is also to the inside of her. Uh cuz everybody I talked we talked about this last night. It's like last year's derby. Everybody wants to sit second and third. Yeah. And so I think if, if Bariano's smart, he's just going to let them go and then kind of take back a little bit and and kind of cross over. But um You know, it's, uh, there's going to be a lot of horses that don't get the trip they want in this race. So it'll it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) There's a look at the black eyed Susan and the Pimlico card for Friday. Let's make the move on over to Saturday. Maddie, as I pull up the past performances for Saturday, Saturday, and I show everybody my favorite stable dual shirt. The old, uh, ah. the size doesn't matter, but lengths do. This is the one that gets me some of the best looks when I'm walking around the town. Uh, tell everybody again, I th- well, there are like three different options on Saturday. Yeah. There's a couple different, right?
5: Three different options on Saturday. There is a Preakness Sweetness $25 contest, uh, three stable limits. And uh, the pot is $4,000 projected payout. Just let people know the winner gets 850 bucks and it pays out all the way down to the top 30. So $25 to pay in top 30, at least double up the winner gets 850. There is also a uh, $5. If you're just, you know, want to get started and you may not feel too confident. There's a $5 game as well. Limit of two stables, $500 pot. And then there's the game that I know the three of us are going to be playing, which is the $100 game. $15,000 $15,000 pot, three-entry oh, yeah. limit. The winning stable gets $3,375. They pay out to the top 25. Positions 15 through 25 double up and get 200 oh, yeah. Uh The top four all get $1,200 or more. Uh, that's a big money contest. So if you're feeling good about your handicapping for Preakness Day, you got to enter that one.
0: I am ready to fire away this weekend at the stable dual games. And we will start on Saturday in race number six, I believe with you, Matt. Matt's going to look at races six, eight, and 12. Barry has races uh, seven, nine, and 12 to take a look at. Matt, this is the grade three Chick Lang. I really like some of the three-year-old stakes races they have this weekend because a lot of times they're just for these horses that are just developing a little bit later. Right. Yeah. Maybe they started later. Maybe they're just a little behind some of the horses that have gone longer. We always see one or two good three year olds on one of these stakes races uh, on the undercard, whether it be the chick lang, sometimes in in you know, with the turf stakes races, there's another dirt one. Also, oh, yeah. who do you like here in the chick lang?
5: Yeah, well, it's funny. I'll just very quickly mention last year's Chick Lang is the moment I realized early voting was going to win the Preakness because we talked about this. This was the race, Lightning Larry. Lightning Larry. Uh,
4: I was I was getting on ratatouille when that horse won, and I was like, "Yes!" And everybody's
5: looking at me like, "What's wrong with this guy?" (laughs) And uh, that's that's when you realize there's a speed bias. So um, no, in this one, listen, having a meltdown is your. Morning line favorite for Bob Baffert shipping in last ran the Saudi Derby. Uh, and you know, is going to be the speed from the rail for sure. I really like the number three, Frosted Departure, uh, in this spot eight to one on the morning line, only three thousand dollars on stable duel. And this is a horse that. If you squint, it makes sense because you just got to do a lot of drawing lines through a lot of different races. First of all, you just got to look at all of those routing races and just kind of draw a line straight through them because this horse is not routing. It's sprinting now. Yeah. Uh, And if you look at the sprint races, there's a lot of good efforts here. And this horse is, you know, coming off a little bit of a layoff and ran uh, what I thought was a really nice race in the Pat Day Mile last time out and and finished fourth that day and, and recorded its best speed figure. Now you're coming back, shortening up a little bit. I, I think this is a horse that also, I mean, we talk about Ken McPeak going off Lasix and that's not particularly good, but this horse has run well off of Lasix before. So uh, listen, maybe you like having a meltdown to win, but from a stable duel standpoint, I think frosted departure gives you a lot yeah, of value man. in this particular it's- race.
0: This is why I like doing these shows too, because this is a horse that wasn't really on my radar all that much. Like I didn't know how much of a race I thought this was from a playable standpoint, but yeah. now you've pointed this one out and we start looking. Okay. Cause having a meltdown draws the rail in the first start back from Saudi. We were talking about how some of the Baffert shippers in the last year or so haven't been doing quite as well. This horse is definitely talented and for sure the horse to beat, but those are a couple of factors on top of, Speed, look to the outside. You've got Rivet, you've got Bristol Channel, you've got Super Chow, Chow, who is really, really, really fast. You've got Prove Right, who is very, very fast. So, what five of the seven in here all want to go? Process of elimination. We're down to two closers. It's Frosted Departure and Y2J. You know what I mean? Like, so, um, Frosted Departure is a much better price. We're not going to be singing uh songs down the you know, down the stretch, <laughs> I become, I become, I become, yeah. I love, love me some Jericho. One of the all-time <laughs> uh, Frosted departure, though. This is a good one, Matt. This is a nice find here. The number three, eight to one on the morning line will only cost you three thousand dollars to use when you're building your stable dual lineup based off that price. Barry, you're going to go right next door to the Grade Three Gallaret, hundred thousand dollars for Phillies and mares, three year olds and up, mile and a sixteenth on the turf course. Talk to us about this one, buddy.
4: Yes, this is an interesting group here, um, but a group that lacks speed. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go down through these horses here. So typically horses like White Beam don't like to get involved early. Um, hasn't, won't, the, the two horse, same sort of deal. Coming in from Italy, probably won't be on the lead, although – <clears throat> you see his last one. It says he led, he led near the finish. So that, that tells you all you need to know. Escoozy. You, He'll just give it to you. You take. <laughs> yeah. <the prize>. yeah. <laughs> um, Eminent Victor. Very good horse. Likes to come from behind. Vergara is kind of on the fence, but this horse better races has come when he's not on the lead. Bipartisanship and the races when Dead they closer. are
0: on the lead, they're not really. They're fast. not that fast. It's just right. sort of ending up on the lead by process of elimination because they're going fi-
4: like sub fifty fractions. Same thing with uh, bipartisanship. Dead closer. Princess Theorem wants no part of the lead, and the horse I skipped is the one I landed on. Traffic the number song. three. It looks like you know he's light on the stakes experience, but he's heavy on the speed. And yep. I think that can get it done in a race like this. Absolutely. Jimmy Toner is excellent on the grass, has won this race doing similar things. And I think this horse fits to a T. tee. Um, he had a nice workout there at Fair Hill on May 13th in preparation for this. I, I, I don't see anything wrong with this horse in this no. race at 12 to one. I like this one, too. You're absolutely right, because when you look for a second,
0: a lot of people will do this too. They'll glance and they'll go, oh, Vergara has a little bit of speed. Then start comparing these two horses and how fast they go. Like Traffic Song is on the lead going 45, like less than 46 is pushing the pace.
4: Right. Going this is far, only, too. only going on this the far. lead
0: going 50. Like in the vicinity of 50, like 25 first quarter a quarter mile. So this is a way faster horse. And you're real, you're right. This horse is going to have a couple lengths on the field in here. You'll get a great run for your money in stable duel. This is the type of horse if you're playing like pick fours or pick fives. This horse will scare the hell out of you turning for home if you don't have them on if your you ticket don't have them, mm-hmm. yeah. with like a two or three length lead at a big price.
4: So yeah, you know. and 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 that price is probably going to be pretty solid here because you know you know those big names, big connections are going to catch. A lot of action. You, you know, have Grand Motion, Chad Brown in here. Um, I read on the one with Chad Brown. You know, so they, I mean, between between the two of them, they got four horses, and they might get beat. <laughs> yeah, we move uh, right next
0: door. I believe me and Matt yeah. both have one in the eighth. Right, Maddie, it's the dinner party, yep. the Grade Three dinner party, a mile and an eighth on the turf course here and a horse who will take a good amount of money is on the rail is a tone a tone won the pegasus world cup turf i think did we all like a tone that day too nope. no no I, I did not i loved a tone i think because <laughs> a tone was eight or 12 to one on the morning line and was just from 12 a stable, and a then just got hammered and yeah. then went, and went as down quite yeah. quite a bit so just like looking at that one it was like wow there's great value here i'm Playing against the tone, and I'm, I'm assuming Matt is too. Unless Matt's yes. breaking the rules of our stable, no. <laughs> rules for even giving you a nine to five favorite. And then I we'll want just... to play
5: this $9,200 horse, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> so, no. Maddie, uh, for me in this field, I ended up on Easter. The number three? I did
5: too.
3: <laughs> oh, look at this. Wow. Oh, wow. Just, this weird. is
4: hysterical. This is a great. You guys just game. not do your homework. I was going to say is. Like, yeah, I'm just going to do what, what Gino does.
0: This is so great. Um, So, just looking at Easter and the, the races, since first off, the races overseas were excellent. Yeah. Like here behind St. Mark's Basilica, like these are mm-hmm. quality, quality groups. Then comes into the Grand Motion Barn. First start is on April the 15th at Aqueduct. And it wasn't a bad effort. Finished finish third that day. In your first start since September of 2021, your first start in North America. Second start, May the 14th, gets caught behind the slowest fractions ever. They almost went 52. Yeah. Like this horse. And that's not a bad race. Gufo and Beer are both right. in there. Um, then June the 30th finishes behind Baltus And Baltus comes out of that race to win next time out. And following this race, Easter is sent to the bench from June of last year, all the way to April of this year shows back up in April. First start as a five-year-old little bit of improvement. Uh, Speed figures are, are nice kind of what in line where, where they were, but we know he can take another step forward here too, Matt. I think there's a little versatility with his running style. Um, I think it's just a good spot for Easter.
5: I I do too, obviously. And, and, You know, I think we talked before we started recording, uh, you know, uh, Javi's rotting well uh, right now. And uh, the other thing to mention is, listen, motions second back from a long layoff, winning at a 30% rate with a $3.47 ROI. Uh, How would you like it if uh, I gave you, if you gave me $2 and I gave you back $3.47? Can I take two
0: seconds to think about
5: it? Yeah. I'll take it. Yes. No. Absolutely. So, uh, like you said, I also like the European back class a ton with this horse, and uh, yeah, this horse has versatility can sit close, can sit, you know, if they're going slow, it can sit close if they if they're going a little bit faster, can sit further back and launch late., uh, ten to one, only a thousand dollars in stable duel, I'll gladly be using this horse in this race. uh even if I, and it's important. A tone last year ran, I think, in this very same race
0: yep. at Pimlico, was
5: and was the huge favorite that day and ran third. So, like, and that's why I'm not gonna fall over myself betting a tone uh, or using a tone uh, at the windows uh, or in stable duel in this particular race. A and then uh, there's Emmanuel, which was kind of an interesting, like, yeah. you know, flying the ointment wind a little bit on the far pack. outside. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah uh because Because he blew the brake last time so that
0: race was loaded because up to the mark was third and he didn't even he wasn't even close like he was he didn't sniff the same area code as the top two
4: blew the brake really really badly i don't know and then he came back up you can see it it's it's crazy he he just like last oh yeah right off the bat he completely missed right off the first it's ridiculous Uh, hold on let's see we can just show you there, and
0: he had just zero chance after that. So Emmanuel was the number four in this race. That's what's so nice about these uh, DRF Formulator past performances. Barry calls for it, boom! We can uh, go dang. right to it. Oop, there and he is, he last <laughs> out, and Emmanuel likes to be forwardly placed, right? So he's dead last in this field, uh, and just had zero chance. Like I, yeah, if he you're betting races,
4: the jock trying to get up into the front, it was just not yeah. a good trip.
0: Not a good uh, – not good. Like pick fours, pick fives, multis, he's a player in here back. He e-fits. But Matt and I, we're seeing things <laughs> the stay away so far as we Crazy. keep rolling along through Saturday. Barry, I believe you are up next in the ninth race with yes, your sir. play. So uh, talk to us about this one. This is the uh, the skip it.
4: Yeah, the skip it.
0: Skip it? Skip it?
4: I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Well, whatever. Six furlongs on the dirt, 100K. Um, I actually – you know skip I, I, have... it is,
0: I might have said skip it because that was that thing right hop it skip it pop it hop it, jump it. Jump it. remember that thing <laughs> i don't know that yes. might have just been stuck in I my guess. head because i do remember skipping it yeah yeah i remember that
4: uh, um <laughs> yeah I, I actually have two horses in here one <clears throat> i'm gonna give out as a play but i, I do want to mention the other so in this race you know obviously there's tons of speed here like literally every horse in here has speed and i i just think it's going to be a mad dash for the front um i ended up on Chitara, number eight hmm. now hear me out if you look at this horse's past performances he really she really doesn't run <clears throat> six furlongs she did twice once off the bench at the fairgrounds and that's the one i want to talk about She ran a hell of a race that day. That's the trip you want too, right? That's the trip you want here. And I I, I think, um, you know, the rider is very good at selling this horse down. Obviously, you know, you could see at Hawthorne, she was just better than those horses. Yeah. Sloppy track, pushing her out. And then she kind of went off form. So her form is kind of like a bell curve you see the horse kind of just kind of went up and and ran really well and then tailed off and they finished it off with a horrible effort in at Keeneland on the, on the turf um, back last October, then comes off the bench needed that race. Didn't run very well at Laurel then ships to Keeneland in a, in a much stronger spot and beats, uh, uh, you know, most of the field. It it was pretty tough. Yeah. And that sets this horse up right there for this one i mean it couldn't get any more plain as day to me on paper and The last, like you said she's raced six three times two of them she
0: did exactly what you'd want her to do in this race like look at the one at colonial too at the bottom where she was fifth, yep. kind of sitting about three lengths off that's the exact trip that you would love here too same thing at fairgrounds and then the other time she went six it was on a muddy sealed track and she got caught she drew the rail so she had to go Right, She was fourth. She couldn't even sit. And that was a good group, too. That horse named Byroness was in there, who was Pretty was good. good Club car is definitely good. Gary DeVoe. She finished third. Um, So, ah, uh, yeah, I, I like this. Yeah, the one. She's Why sitting not? In here. She's third start of the form cycle. She could be set for a really big
4: performance. Now, the other horse is the one, Oxana. Similar vibe here, except this horse is coming from, you know, uh, basically Park's over over here been you know kind of been bouncing around yeah but went to parks ran at laurel but this horse doesn't need the lead either and probably going to be a little bit closer than chitara gets the go-to rider who who's won on this horse a few times paco i i mean between the two of them i'm obviously going to go with the longer priced horse but in multi situations you know especially starting the pick five i got to use both
5: and uh i i will say i got to give a shout out to another horse in this race mage's half sister gunning is actually running in this race as well the number six horse nice. uh in this one so uh that's is it uh, funny just... how how different
0: these <clears throat> uh these look like after a horse is one one or two right mage is like oh my
5: gosh you look at this two yeah.
0: million in the past performances yeah yeah
5: but uh yeah i just i i i, I did pay i because i was doing a deep dive of mages pedigree before the derby i just remember gunning and then i was looking through the pps and i was like huh Mages sister's running on the preakness underground that's kind of cool uh yeah, so she's, just kind of a she's neat no
4: slouch here. either i mean
5: no, no she's good yeah she's, she's good.
0: good we yeah. keep rolling along the back uh, back half of the saturday pimlico card on preakness saturday my play in race number 10 is right next door The post worries me a little bit, but I'm going to go all the way to the outside with Beer Can Man. I think it's just a great spot for Beer Can Man, Mm -hmm. and he's got some versatility. He has enough speed to use the speed to put himself in a good spot so he doesn't have to sit five or six wide, and he can sit just a few lengths wide. He has enough speed to where he can, you know, I think he can use that. And that can be an advantage for him. He needed the race at Keeneland last time out. He looked exactly like a horse who needed the race. He got way over bet in that race. There's no way he should have been favored there in the race where Barry had the winner front run the Fed who was diving and weaving hey. through traffic at a big price. Uh, beer can man for me. You just watched the way he finished that race. He looked like a horse who was tired, needed the race. I think it's, it's going to be a big step forward for him from the outside. Some versatility. He's eight to one. Probably won't be. Probably be closer to like five to one, which that's fine. I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah. yeah. I'll take it. Beer can man. This horse has done very little wrong in his mm-hmm. career. Like overall, he has really, really nice form. He's the 13. He's eight to one. So he'll only cost us 3000 in our stable dual lineup. Right next door, we have the 11th race. Uh this one is the Maryland Sprint. I don't think anyone has it. Barry has one in the 12. Maddie has one in the 12th. yeah As do I. Um I will mention if you're if you're playing I don't know what ever to do with this horse anymore, Barry. Prevalence. Right. <laughs> because if he's eight to one, I would throw him in a pick four. I don't. I wouldn't play him in stable duel because some of his races are so bad that they could really hurt you when he loses points. But in in a pick four, (laughs) if he's like six or eight to one, look at the last few horses he's faced. Up to the mark, who was a Grade One winner, Mm -hmm. endorsed who won three in a row multiple graded stakes, and Sibelius went over and won the Golden Shaheen. So it's not as if he's been facing slouches. And when he shows up with a race like he had in the Commonwealth or some of his better races. It's as good as any horse in this field.
4: We just. I'm gonna. I'm gonna tell you know my notes. My notes on this race says chaos written all over it. Right. And two, I have as fools gold. Yeah. He, we, he, 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 I mean, he's, he's getting Irad. He's gonna. He's gonna get money. Yeah. because yeah, he's not. Fact that that's Irad the problem, is riding. Right. He for these and,
0: connections, he won't not get bet.
4: Right, and he's gonna get bet down, and he's gonna do what he normally does: is absolutely nothing. Yeah, I and, would only I, play
0: him at this price. Anything lower, I wouldn't because this is the type of price that a horse like him always should be. Always. Exactly. He should, he, should he should always he should, be you eight should to just one. be like 8 to 1 every time he runs. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because yeah. that that's how he... You just never know what you're going to get for him. And if he wins, you should get rewarded. But like you said, I, I didn't really get a strong feel for that race from a value-based standpoint. I could see both the 8 and the 10 being pretty live there. I I
4: thought uh, Willie Boy might bounce back here. Um, Been training lights out. Same thing with Hello Hot Rod. Um, You know, Local Connects, uh, Brittany Russell is just on fire. The 12th race might be the most fun, stable
0: dual race of the whole weekend, (laughs) though. Because I honestly think you could make cases for a bunch of these horses at big prices because the nine is going to take a ton of money. The nine is heavy favorite. He's eight to five on the morning line. Mm-hmm. I like. I, I, I had so much fun handicapping this race. And for me, the horse who I landed on is actually the five circling <laughs> the drain. You um, know, no we got to
5: stop, buddy. We got to no stop way. with this.
0: No <laughs> this is,
5: freaking way. This is insane. Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember
0: it ever being like this. This is five out of the – I gave out six <laughs> horses and five of them, Maddie, and the, were the same. The,
4: this is nuts. It's collaboration. That's all. Yeah. The same. But nope. I,
5: I, I have another play in this one that I'll see if Barry's on. Yeah, this and one I, can, too, I'll even, I can even I mention really another like. horse or two. But yeah.
0: again, Brittany Russell, fantastic yeah. connections. This is a horse who comes out of the Tessio, who actually was behind Perform and Coffee with Chris, two horses who are running in the Preakness. Now, look at the way the race shapes up. The one quick. Fade the noise. I wouldn't be shocked if this horse shows more speed stretching out. A Western Yarn, who I kind of like a little too. Very. That's where in, I'm at. Right? Yep, that's my the one. Only, I, that's the other my one only, I only worry
4: is,
3: yeah.
0: can she?
4: Can he sit? That's my well, only concern. Doesn't I need think to sit. He can I don't think he, this he, horse he, needs to sit. And maybe he, and he just goes. You know why? Because if you look at Fantastic again, you know it, it's got to be a, a real question mark on why this horse hasn't tried the turf since July last year. Oh, I don't like him.
0: Yeah. But he's no. the only other speed. Well, I, see, I'm worried. I I wouldn't be shocked if this two horse who's got some sprint races, even the four, the sprinter on the dirt, I could see the, the, the yeah, maybe, and maybe the nine. So those are the, that's the real key is what, what do they do with this horse with the blinker sitting? But you're right. It, it's going to come down to one, two, three. I guess four horses could see possibilities of them, but, I will use the three in my exotics because that's a strong race. And if we're playing the most stash common rival game, this horse was <laughs> right behind most stash as was the heavy favorite in this race. Correct. They both yeah. were right behind most stash in their last race. One of them is eight to five. The other is 10 right. to one.
4: Exactly. That, that That's where I was going with it. I mean, you just basically hit all my points Um, you know, and I
3: didn't
0: want to make you feel left out since me. and I know, right? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah.
4: (laughs) But you know, Danny Centeno will put a ride on this horse and, and, and get, get this one in a good spot. I I, I don't really think this horse actually needs the lead, but I think this horse will end up on the lead. Um, Nagarok probably won't want, you know, it's kind of dicey on with Nagarok because the outside post, I mean, you got to commit one way or the other. And I don't really think that this horse's game is to be up front, so I'm going to concede that they're going to try to take back and and, and get, try to get a, a spot to to tuck in the, to save as much ground as they can. Um, it's a really interesting race. It's probably one of the most, like you said, one of the most exciting races on the on the card. Oh, you're muted, Gino. So, Maddie, we're hoping that they
0: do go a little quicker early, and that yeah. it, it will set up for a horse like circling the drain because she can close or he can close. And I think I think he may get a, a bit overlooked, but he's bred beautifully for the turf. That's,
5: so that's the crazy part is if you look at the dam's offspring, five of the seven offspring have all won on the turf. And the only two who haven't is circling the drain who hasn't tried the turf. And, and one of her one, other siblings who, ran, who only tried it once and ran a really good third place. Yeah. And, and so every other offspring has one on the, uh, the turf in some cases, multiple times. Yep. The, I, I love the surface switch here. Uh, Barry mentioned how live Brittany's barn is right now. Uh, you know, at, at the Pimlico meet <clears throat> and, uh, you know, Toledo is one of her go-to jocks. And so, uh, I, <clears throat> eight to one on the morning line, this was a triple crown nominated horse. Uh, and, and so there's, there's class there. It's just a matter of, if I think getting this horse on the right surface, but gentlemen, I got a split. Yeah. And, and, you know, uh, honestly, but... we're
0: not going to talk. The Preakness isn't a stable duel type race. And anyone that wants to hear more about the Preakness, we have a full Preakness draft and a black eyed Susan draft that we did on Matt show last night in the Preakness. You have a couple horses that are going to be really short and the bigger long shots. I had a tough time. None of us had that as a race. We wanted to dish out anyway. So yeah. Maddie, we can all finish up right now all and right. we can, Wish you the best of luck this weekend. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. I know we're all busy and you're heading to Pimlico this weekend. So good luck to you, Barry, my man. Good luck to you with all of your plays. I hope you crush it. Make sure to follow these gentlemen on Twitter. That's the best place to follow along at fail to menace and at urban handicapper. You can always stay updated. Into- All of the content that they have going anytime they pop on to someone else's show, podcast videos, going in circles, big Mondays, trust the profit stuff, capping the card stuff. But this weekend, big weekend for Stable Duel. Get those entries in and play race win.
3: Better. You want to spread your pony knowledge.
0: Nice catching up with Matt and Barry. We have this show every Friday morning at 10 o'clock a.m. Eastern time. If you want to come join us online, you can follow at StableDuel. If you follow me, it's me, B on Twitter, and it will stream right there live, free to listen, and you'll get some best bets for Friday and for Saturday. Those of you who are listening, if you like to play daily fantasy, if you're a fan of, you know, if you played in DraftKings and FanDuel and those types of sites, you will really enjoy Thrive Fantasy. It's a new website, ThriveFantasy.com. You can download the app. You can play in contests, twenty dollar contests, two thousand dollar prizes. The winner gets four or five hundred bucks. You're playing against a hundred other people. They don't play in thousands and thousands of entry contests, so you're not playing against a bunch of computer generated entries or bots. And you can play head-to-head formats. But what's really great is the parlays. You can play props and parlay your props together. You can do this in the state of California, in the state of Texas, in states where you can't even legally wager. You can play on Thrive Fantasy because it's a contest site. And these parlays actually pay out better than if you were playing parlays anywhere else. Use the promo code GINO. That'll get you... A match deposit bonus of anything from 25 up to 250, four times rollover. Check out the prop parlays. You will love it. You can play parlays from a dollar all the way up to a thousand. ThriveFantasy.com. Let's talk a little more on the Friday racing. We have some Friday Santa Anita, just a couple quick plays over at Santa Anita, and then we'll get to Pimlico Saturday with Angela. Friday at Santa Anita. Let's talk a couple plays. For May the 19th, race number one. Thought there's a good amount of speed in here. You've got the inside horse who has speed. Charlie's Ghost should be forwardly placed. Bolt from Heaven, Devil Moon, they all want to go. A Couple first-time starters to the outside. Any of them could show some speed. It could set up nicely for the two Snap Daddy. Lots of pace to chase, and he's the only horse who's proven with a good race on the turf. So we have question marks about everyone else in here. His last effort was a pretty solid fourth, at this level only beaten a couple lengths in a field of nine. Like the two snap daddy four to one on the morning line in race one at Santa Anita on Friday. Let's move to race number six at Santa Anita. This is a maiden claiming race for maiden three, four, and five year olds that have started for a claiming price or that were sold at auction for 150 or less, or they're in for the claiming tag. And that's the case for Riverside, who's in for 625. The blinkers come off He's just faced so much better at the Maiden Special 8 level, behind Skinner, Mr. Fix. He was right behind Reincarnate. He finished right behind Fort Bragg in Practical Move, Newgate. He's just hooked good horses in all of his races. I think the drop's going to put him over the top in the sixth race, the number four, Riverside. And then right next door in race number seven, we take a look at the number seven, Big Hopes. Big Hopes has raced twice on the turf. He showed improvement from that turf debut back in March to his second start on the turf, which was in April. He finished fourth that day, but he still showed improvement on the speed figures. And the reason why he didn't run better, nobody did. There was no passing that day. It was won by a wire-to-wire winner. He's going to stretch back out. Third start of the form cycle. She, Big Hopes, should be even closer up early on. I like her in this spot. Big Hopes, 6-1 to one on the morning line. To look at Santa Anita for Friday. Let's keep this party rolling as we move to Saturday and we go Saturday Pimlico. Angela Herman joins me to talk about races 10, 11, 12, and 13. It's the Preakness as race number 13. Time to talk Preakness Saturday with Angela Herman just a few days out from the 2023 Preakness time to talk about the second jewel of racing's triple crown. We'll also talk about a couple of the stakes races that lead up to the Preakness that pick four that starts in race 10 at Pimlico on Saturday, May the 20th. Very excited to have a good friend of ours back joining us to talk some racing again. You have seen her at Gulfstream park, Canterbury. You've heard her voice calling races all over Angela Herman. How you doing friend?
7: Hello, hello, Gino. Nice to have uh, have some time with you again. We always get into these long chats and have a lot of fun doing it. I'm glad you had me on.
0: So we're gonna talk Pimlico and the Preakness Pick Four on Saturday. But before we do, as you and I record on May the 17th on Wednesday afternoon, we're only about a week out from opening day at your home, Canterbury. Just give me a, <laughs> a little primer. What can we expect this year? It's <laughs> It's been so awesome the last few years to see the, the response because Canterbury has done what all of us complain and scream and want the <laughs> tracks to do. They've lowered the takeout and they've made it better for us betters.
7: Yeah, Well, uh, we tried to listen and implement new ideas as often as it is feasible. And it's going to be a, a different year around here. You know, we have a different schedule. We're going to be racing to start Saturdays, Sundays, and Wednesdays course, our opening weekend is going to incorporate Memorial Day, but then we'll add Thursdays a little later in the season and go back to our three-day weeks as we close it out again in the middle of September. We're at the mercy of the weather up here, a bit more, so we have to keep an eye on how things are. It's really warming up now, so I, we feasibly could have started by the weather standards, but there's horses on the ground, so we're going to start out next Saturday. It's going to be me and Kevin and Paul, uh, Jeff in the mix, and uh, We've got some new interns this year but a lot of the same faces that you've seen at canterbury and uh, i'm very excited i mean it's so different around here than it is like at a Gulfstream stream you know they race year round and you still have a lot of fun doing it but it's really hard to capture the uh, excitement that this it, it, this time is right before a live season starts and we've all caught it
0: i try to compare some of the tracks that it's it's like I, if if Emerald Downs has kind of a similar vibe when when they have like a big weekend because it's like the whole town, everyone in the area is out there. There's such a great energy. There is like it's so much fun. And Canterbury's even that times like five. Um, the the <laughs> like the on track experience is just an absolute blast. You guys have some of the best patrons, and there's just always such a great energy. You can sense it watching the the track feed.
7: Yeah, it it draws all kinds and a lot of families. And that's why we do race during the day on Sundays. We have evening posts the rest of the week and just some different events catered to each night and each sort of crowd that we draw live because we generally do draw a very good crowd. So we have to mix the activities for both the uh, off track and on track crowd. But it does get very exciting days like July 3rd. And I mean, even Memorial Day, Labor Day, some of those holidays where people are in town looking for something to do. Uh, they generally come here and we put on some interesting, unique sort of races, events, etc. And it makes for a very uh, different experience than any other track I've ever worked at.
0: So, Angela and I are going to now dive into Pimlico for Saturday. We're going to talk about the Preakness, which is race number 13. We'll talk about the races leading up to that, races 10, 11, 12, and 13. It's the pick four at Pimlico. And We're going to look at the daily racing form past performances. These are the formulator past performances that I love. We were actually talking about it before we started recording, Angela. They just make it so easy as a handicapper (laughs) for us because it's like one-click replay, one-click chart, one-click pedigree, one-click all the stats that you want. So right now, leading into Preakness, DRF has a really cool promo. If you want to sign up and bet with DRF bets, they'll give you a $250 deposit match and a $10 free bet plus free formulator pass performances. So it's a three-step process. Sign up, use the promo code winning, and then you're going to get that $10 free bet right off the bat. As soon as you register deposit 250, they'll give you a 250 match bonus right away. And then they're going to load up 10 formulator pass performance cards for you. And then every time you get uh, every time you wager 50, you get another one for free. Because so that's one of the things I, I I like, Angela. I think if you're playing the races and you're wagering a lot, I don't think you, you really should have to pay that much for past performances. This information shouldn't be all that much. So DRF and DRF bets, when you sign up and you bet with them, they give you the opportunity. Every time you bet 50, you get another card for free. So a, a nice perk if you're going to be playing, you can at least get these past performances for free and get a bunch of credit
7: hard to match that deal to go along with it a wagering platform and whatever you need to wager with it and i can't speak highly enough to formulate her. it's what i use day in and day out And it has a great notes feature, too, where you can keep your own notes of how your day is going, of what you see, of what might not show up in a form. They only have so much room at the end. I mean, you see all the abbreviations and all of the all the verbiage that goes in there only tells a part of the story. So if you make your own notes in that note section and they show up the next time the horse runs, it saves you from watching another replay or having to dig that much deeper, Expedites your handicapping process and makes it overall an easier faster way to hopefully put dough in your pocket but uh, that's a good deal and uh, if i wasn't already such an old hardened grizzled gambler maybe i would be able to dive in on it but if you haven't please do yeah
0: drf.com and drf bets you're already going to be there looking at the past performances so just click on drf bets sign up use that promo code winning and you'll be all set for a big friday and saturday at pimlico so angela Let's start. We'll end with the preakness because that'll be race number 13, and that'll be the end of this pick four that we dive into. And the pick four, yeah, the pick four begins with a fun turf sprint. I mean, you have a big field like this, you have a a five-furlong turf sprint, the opportunity for chaos, for fast, early pace. You have nothing better drawn down to the inside, who is really, really fast. But as expected in a a five-furlong turf sprint, there's going to be others that are quick, even right next door, a horse who's Shown a lot of speed on the dirt. You have Artemis City Limits, who wants to be kind of close. I think he can press a little bit and sit off, but he wants to be close and forwardly placed. We know the sick that's right is going to be quick. Uncle Ernie's probably forwardly placed for Harp. I mean, you get through this field, good amount of speed as expected. How do you see this thing shape up? Who are some of the horses who you'd want in the pick four?
7: I think you kind of set the table for who I would want to use in the pick four. And that's really anybody who can come from just off the pace. So I guess I would say that my top pick would be Smokin' Jay in there just because he drew furthest to the inside of horses that like to pass. Uh, You did see him face off and get defeated by Beer Can Man last time around. It just wasn't that big a difference between them. Tyler Gaflione, I thought, had maybe a a bit more left in the tank. He wasn't exactly scrubbing on Smokin' Jay. Felt like maybe Beer Can Man was out of horse. Now it was his first start since February of last year, so that's understandable, but given where they drew – I would use both of these if I thought that they were going to be their morning line prices. I think they'll both get bet. But for that race that they put in last time at Keeneland in similar conditions, then I think probably a similar setup that they'll get today. Tons the, of speed in front of them. Yeah, uh, I are, thought that it would set up well for them.
0: If you're betting, like if you're looking for a horse to bet or, you know, a few of the pick four horses, I think those are the, those are the two that I would 100% need to use um, because of the trip that we projected, you know, in the same exact sentiments on beer can man, the post could be the detriment for him. That could do it in. He has a little versatility, you know. So, so maybe I mean, you don't want to be hooked out wide versus where the five is, but he should take a good step forward off of that race. Like he he ran like a horse who needed the race, right? Like he just very much so. Like a little short late, he got fav- he was favored in that race, but as you pointed out, it wasn't as if Smoking J was bad. He got bet that day too. He was a major player. He was what, seven to two in that race. I think he fits really well and he could be set, you know, maybe had a little bit of regression in his second start off the bench. And now he could be set to take a step back forward. Third start of the form cycle, five and 13 were all over for me. And I, I guess like of the speeds, I'd probably give the one, the, the most look from down inside having to go, he actually has outfinished some of these other shorter-priced horses in here, like Artemis City Limits. And I think for him, of all the horses, he's got the rail. He has to go second start off the break. I might try to use like one, five, and 13 in here, Angela.
7: I suppose that would be fair for me. I would definitely use five and 13. And I would give a little extra forgiveness to Smoke and Jay, given the good going last time around. Off-turf has not been necessarily his thing. Does a little bit better on a firm course at five fits him perfectly. But I was I was thinking along the same lines of you trying to find one of the speed horses yeah. who could duel and hang on. I But they may I not. Tend, well I tend to favor outside drawn horses in that yeah. particular scenario. I sure. there's so much working against a rail drawn horse that's gonna be the low price that he's at. That's right. That's a little bit to me. Sure,
0: sure. As a horse I who could f- hang on. Fresh Yep, and he's a little bit better at five, right? All four of his wins have came at five furlong. Seems like six is just a little too far, and even five and a half might be a little beyond his scope, and he's fresh. One way to go, just let him loose. If the one gets stopped a little or has a little trouble down on the inside, this horse will be there pressing. I actually think right. I had him fourth in this spot, so yeah, if you're if you're going to shorten up in one of the races following this or maybe in the Preakness, this would be a race to throw in a horse like, a, that's right, at, uh, at yeah. 12 to one.
7: Working lights out, has proven over this course, proven at this distance. Drew, like I, like we said, to the outside of what should be a lot of his pace pressure. I think that maybe four-harp could keep things hot, but most of the horses to his outside maybe don't have his brand of speed. So he might be in a good place. He might be biting off more than he can chew, but it'll be a much better price than just about anybody else. Yeah. So if I'm going to use a price in there to try to hang on, he would be it.
0: Yep, he'll give you a good run for your money too. That's right at 12 to 1. That's a look at race number 10 the first leg of the pick four on freakness saturday let's move to race number 11 which is the grade three maryland sprint we'll go six furlongs on the dirt here so the number eight in this race will likely be favored i'm the seven and eight will probably take a good amount of money in here between the two of them seven is nakatomi who is five to two on the morning line. The eight is straight, no chaser. So I guess he's actually the second choice, but he's coming off of a big performance with a big buyer speed figure. So I wouldn't be shocked to see him actually go favored over Nakatomi. But I think these two will be uh, two of the top contenders in here just from a a discussion and a starting point. They do have completely opposite running styles, though, Angela. We have a closer in Nakatomi and straight, no chaser, who's very, very quick and ships out here for trainer Dan Blacker.
7: Well, and here's my problem with Straight No Chaser. Straight No Chaser is owned by my racehorse. And regardless of what form these horses bring to the table, they take a ton of money. And it's yep. Straight No Chaser, while he's a big competitor in here and probably the horse to run down, he's just almost never going to provide value. But given the fact that he's a West Coast horse in amongst a lot of East Coast horses, I'm curious what your general school of thought is taking a horse like him, shipping to the opposite coast and taking on some of the East speed. I mean, how do you take him?
0: Yeah. With the, the, the speed horses, I don't, it doesn't bother me because a lot of times the West coast speed horses are equally as are faster. And that's sort of the, the equalizer, you know, they can, they can be faster. And I actually think his form overall is, is pretty good, but I'm, I'm completely in agreement with you. He's, depending on what your approach is in the pick fours and stuff, he's a horse that I wouldn't be betting to win. And he's going to be undervalued. I'm not sure if I could completely toss him out. I probably prefer him over Nakatomi of the shorter prices, just because same, like like we were saying uh, in the prior race, you know what you're going to get with him. You're going to get a better run for your money. He's going to be forwardly placed. Nakatomi could get into a little bit of trouble. Um, I think the horse though I prefer is probably the outside. Um, wonder where Craig is um this one's a little interesting to me Angela horse who goes out for trainer Brittany Russell who has been incredible to start this meet like a <laughs> really good barn always in the 25 to 30 percent. but so yeah. far seven of 12 to start that'll that'll get the job yeah. done uh this course,
7: six of them. yeah <laughs> yeah
0: this horse loves Pimlico uh has one in two of three starts with this with the runner-up effort and if you just look at his form overall he was getting really good He went out to Dubai for the Golden Shaheen in March of 2022. He was off for a few months. And then when he came back in July of 2022, he wasn't quite at the level he was before. He was fine. He ran a couple okay races. I think he may have just needed a little time. Sometimes that journey to Dubai takes a lot out of you. And I feel like that was a good performance to start the year for him on April the 13th. He's had a month off now. He has some speed he's shown that he can sit off a little bit. And I like that because he's drawn to the outside. I'd love to see him sitting just off of straight, no chaser. So I I'm definitely going to be using the 10 Angela and exotics.
7: That's fair enough. And he ran so, so well off the lap. I mean, he looked done at the top of the stretch He dropped back very gamely. And I respect that effort and it would need to be duplicated. That's the only thing. And yeah. I wonder where Craig is looked, I don't want to say sped. You can't tell how a horse is when they go back. I didn't follow Look, back to the No, wire. no, he
3: did. he did, yeah.
7: <laughs> no, yeah. even after the wire though, he just gutted it out so nicely. And taking out a horse like straight no chaser, I think is uh, you know too much for me to use him on top. And I thought these two would take too much starch out of each other. So I actually kind of like the horse in between them, Hello Hot Rod. Nice. And. Hello, hot rod has speed and he does like to be on the front end but i don't know if he's as much of a need the lead sort as i kind of get the feeling especially at this trip
0: right cutting back a little bit he can he should the race at remington that you see at six furlongs where he's off a little and he sits third you know he finishes third he sits maybe three or four lengths off a trip like that would would probably bode very well in a race like this
7: Well, yeah, and he's not fast enough to keep up with straight no chaser and wonder where Craig is, but if they clear away from him and he stays towards the outside, he's a steady, one-paced sort of horse that can keep himself in it while not necessarily leading the way, but he's going to keep going, and if you need a horse to maybe have a little bit more, coming back from seven to six and getting the outside is good enough for me, and Hello Hot Rod seems to perform very well, I guess, when he's close to the lead and I think he'll be able to do that from that post. He'll just be a much better price than either one of the horses Absolutely. around him. And, you know, he's got as much versatility as either one of them do. And frankly, none of them have that much to them. But I was looking for no. a horse that was close enough to the pace, still willing to pass. And, so that was it.
0: That's And for me, the one who, I I can't bet him to win, but I can throw him in a pick four situation because I think he'll offer the value is prevalence. And Ooh. it's because his He's one of those horses who, if he is six to 10 to one, that's fair because he's just not a consistent horse, but yeah. he's capable on his best days of showing up with races that are as good as anybody in this field. Like his a game that he's shown a couple different times is awesome. The problem is we don't see it very much. Now, can you go through his last few races and say he lost to up to the mark? who is now a grade one winner. He lost to Endorsed, who had won three races in a row at that point in back-to-back graded stakes races. He lost to Sibelius, who went over and won the Dubai Golden Shaheen. Can we say, you know, Jackie's warrior he's losing to in a race that sends him to the bench for a little while? I know it's a lot of excuses to make. I know we, we've got some muddied-up form, but the key is the price, right? He's going to be 8-ish, 10-ish to 1, because I agree with you. I think those horses to the outside are going to take some money, as long as this horse is six or above, I could flop him into a pick four and just hope that it was one of these good days versus one of the bad days. I just, I don't think I could play him to win. He's just more of a, an inclusion in, in multi-exotics.
7: Okay. Well, I see your point, but I think the prevalence being trained by the guy he's trained by, who's been going really well lately and ridden by, I read, oh. Ortiz, will not provide that sort of value on the board. I don't think you'll get that on him. I think you might no, get four or five to one.
0: That's the concern. If, he's, if he is that, it's not worth it. Like this number right here is he's got to be closer to this because that's fair for his chances of winning this race. He's not consistent yeah. enough to be half of that. So, yeah,
7: and I agree. And I, I got to look at him a couple of those times and he's But not bad looking horse. Don't get me wrong, but I just can't, I can't match up those looks with those races. It, they just don't make any sense to me and, and trying and, the turf. Yeah.
0: It, that's just sometimes that's just like a up uh, nothing's working let's just try something you know it's one of exactly. those like like last stitch efforts throw something at the wall and see what sticks and
7: right and uh, now it's it, blinkers
0: yeah and now nah, so who knows uh with prevalence but i think you and i were both kind of looking for a horse like that and like the nine right like yeah, who can exactly. s- who's gonna be a little bit of a price who can sit just off i don't yeah. know if those horses win this race but if you're listening and watching this you can kind of understand like hear our analysis and how we were trying to get to them and why we right. were sort of looking for that template of a horse, you know,
7: we're complimenting and then tossing. So yeah, exactly. It's one of those kinds of races. It's,
0: exactly. So, uh, I <laughs> look at race number 11, the Maryland sprint, which is the second leg of this pick four that leads into the preakness. Let's move to race number 12. It's the James W Murphy. Now this race I thought was a, a fun one to, uh, You know, just from a handicapping standpoint, I do think that the horse to the outside, if you like the the nine, this is a very accomplished horse. I would have no problem with people who like this horse, but this horse is drawn wide with the blinkers on. I think we'll want to be more forwardly placed. And I found like three or four fun long shots that could be really nice value at their prices. So from just overall, I, I really enjoyed handicapping this race. And I think you can, you know, take different stances in here. How did you uh, How did you see this race, uh, Angelo? Was this a race where you shortened up? Did you think the favorite, the nine to the outside, was too tough to beat? Or do you try to chuck this ha- uh, horse out and use a-, a few others? What's the approach?
7: Uh, I Yeah, I take your former opinion. Just because at this point of their lives, most of them aren't pure defined turf horses. A lot of them are taking this as plan B. Now, that's not the case for everybody in here, but... This is really the only horse who's been established at doing what he's doing. I like the outside draw for him. I don't mind that at all, especially with blinkers on. I think that as long as he's alert, then he doesn't need the lead, but he'll keep himself in close range. And if you think you have the best horse, we talk about this ad nauseum. Put him on the lead. At least keep him close.
0: This is where Pratt makes – some riders have a tough time with horses like this because – like you're saying they won't put him on the lead and they'll sort of sit or then they will put him on the lead and, and then they'll kind of get in between. He's like one of the best at knowing, should I just sit off or do I need to go a little faster? I feel like he always makes the right call with these types of horses in this type of situation. Um, so that's a look at the nine for motion for Pratt, little red feather. Some of the fun long shots that I looked at. So if we're, if we're using most stash, as, uh, sort of a, uh, <laughs> a common rival, you know, mm-hmm. a Western yarn comes out of the race where he was right behind mustache. I was going to play. Uh, I don't even want to talk about this race. Talk of the nation in the, uh, you
7: brought it up. <laughs> okay. So this was a bad
0: beat last week when uh, a couple weeks ago in, in the American turf, I'm closing mm-hmm. in pick threes with talk in the American turf after having the huge long shot, go wire to wire in the sprint. I'm closing with, um, with talk of the nation and the horse who runs second. I don't even want to give it. I don't even want to talk about it. I was going to say, I didn't even want to say the name because I've been so upset. I've been so upset about it, but no, the horse got a great, the horse got a great run up the inside, took the lead for a second, looked like was going to win and then got nailed. So I was closing pick threes like four or five times. And I had all of the other exotics that would have continued to roll. So that was Mm -hmm. one that will sting me. But what, what made it even worse I had far bridge and talk of the nation and talk of the nation gets scratched like a minute before the race and then far bridge loses right at the wire. So it's like, wow, I got scratched. And then the other one finished second. I think the still nation dwelling
7: on that. Yeah.
0: It's not like it bothers me two weeks later or anything. Right. Not at all.
7: Yeah. Not like you couldn't pick out a game six and a half years ago where you got a buzzer beater and lost out on a five leg parlay, but we won't go down that road either.
0: Yeah. I was going to say all of those, you always remember the ones that irk you more than all those, all those winners are the good ones.
7: Um, <laughs> I just know you will.
0: <laughs> the, the, the concern I have with the, with this horse more than even liking the horse though, is just, how's it going to shape up because it does look like this race has at least an honest amount of pace with the nine to the outside with the one fantastic again with a Western yarn in here. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't even be surprised to see a horse like the two stretching out, show a little bit more speed. We know the four is quick, so you know, they, they could be moving in here. That's my only concern. Like I like this horse. I'm kind of curious to see how he stacks up class wise. Um, but race shape wise, I, I don't know if he can sit. I, he doesn't really seem watching his race as like a horse who wants to sit off as much. He seems a little bit better on the uh, on the front end. That led me to this horse, Angela, the five,
4: mm-hmm. circling
0: circling the drain. So he's a little inexpensive um, in that he broke his maiden, you know, <laughs> for you know in a maiden claiming spot. But yeah. since that. He's actually run pretty well. He's coming off a race in the Tessio. He's behind two horses that are going to run in the Preakness, behind Perform and Coffee with Chris. And let's look at his pedigree, um, which is nice with the uh, the DRF formulator past performances. All you have yeah. to do is just click on the dam and, and it'll take you all turf. <laughs> right to the pedigree. Who's cozy? The dam was a good one. She was uh, a two-time winner on the turf she was graded stakes placed and multiple stakes placed on the turf. So you feel like, Okay, good turf pedigree from the dam. Then you go to the siblings. Um, You have a three-time turf winner in Daddy's Cozy. You have Who's in Town, who only tried turf one time but ran third on it. And you have another couple turf winners. Comfy and Cozy was a horse who won on the turf. And you have Campaign Vows who won on the turf. So the dam was Grade Three placed on the turf was a multiple winner. There are four winning grass sibs. So pedigree-wise... I think the horse will take to the turf. If we're looking at, you know, speed figures, he's a little, a little underneath, but he's actually coming out of some stakes races. So from a class standpoint, he's actually faced pretty tough company. And then the setup, what I like is he, you know, he broke his maiden on the lead, but I don't think he's going to be close to the lead here. He's much more of a closer. And that was a race that went really slow early on. I think he could get a great trip in here. He has a nice pedigree. Price might be right he's a horse. who so I'm going to throw in, um, into a pick four. I had five, nine, um, as my two, and then a bunch of question marks after
4: that.
7: <laughs> well, I had like nine over five and six. I think that's probably the way that I would play this race unless I just singled the nine and move along in a, a horizontal, but I was interested in circling the drain. Like you mentioned, I looked at his pedigree and I mean, who's cozy obviously is inclined towards turf anyway, given her blood, but circling the drain, hasn't tried it yet. I just, I didn't love the way that things set up in the Tessio and how he didn't capitalize on it the same way performed did. Now, granted Performed absolutely in the Preakness, but he ended up beating two horses home uh, with very, very tired horses in front of him.
0: The five circling the drain is eight to one, one crazy horse. So I'll mention for underneath spots. If you're taking an approach where you like the nine and maybe you need some horses to use under the two fade, the noise. So let's follow his pattern through his three turf races. Uh, his career debut just doesn't fire on the dirt. They try him on the turf. He wins six to one in Ellis. They go over to uh, Saratoga on August the 19th. He's inside. He's fourth or fifth. He, he runs into some traffic and he he wants to go. He, you know, he just kind of gets stuck in a bad spot. I didn't think the race was that bad. Again, if you're looking at horses like Oxymore, you see Oxymore dusted fantastic again uh back when they uh raced early on in, in or in middle of 2022. Then Fade the Noise shows back up on April 16th, just completely missed the break. I mean, it's one of those races you put a line right through it. this horse was just done um early. So you know, Gaff Leon jumps the forward for maker. He's gonna be a massive price. I can be a little forgiving for those. I don't know if he's good <laughs> enough to win, but I could see him being more forwardly placed in here and hanging around and, and finishing second and third second or third at a big price. So maybe uh maybe a bottoms of exotics horses fade the noise. They're all gonna they're all gonna have to beat the
7: nine. <laughs> so. Right, exactly. I, I would use the six if you're gonna use a big bomb, you would use the two. We agree on circling the drain but it i still think it's going to be very very difficult to beat the nine so i didn't i didn't delve that much further than the exact does because i just can't like i can't find that much creative to use on top
0: we get to the preakness the second jewel of racing's triple crown only one horse returning in the preakness that ran in the kentucky derby a few weeks ago and that is your kentucky derby winner mage in angelo we don't have to sugarcoat it it's just not the strongest group that's signed that's <laughs> lined up for the for the preakness this year um, mage was a 15 to 1 shot in the derby he's the only derby horse that's running back and you know the second and third choices in this race while they could absolutely win they are very talented horses first missions only raced three times um he just won the grade three lexington national treasure hasn't even won a graded stakes race he hasn't won since his, um, since breaking his maiden back in September and he missed some time earlier in the year and and those horses can absolutely win this race, but it's just not a very strong renewal of the Preakness. And it looks like it's setting up for a lot of the horses that run in the Derby to come back and probably have a pretty strong edition of the Belmont.
7: I, I think a lot, I don't know how you feel about this, but I mean, so many things have changed since the point system instituted who goes in the Derby and who doesn't. And the fact that the scratches let in all of those also eligibles who would have made fine Preakness candidates. Right. Like a horse
0: like Skinner in this race. <laughs> he would have been like a logical live horse if he not, had not gotten hurt, had not, you know, scratched in some of the also eligible right. Cyclone Mischief would have probably been in a yes. nice spot. Like those horses, it, like based on their speed figures, they would have been right in that like six to yes. one range with blazing sevens. Right. Like in that. Well,
7: mm-hmm. Well, and there's, I mean, usually Derby type of horses or Preakness type of horses that get excluded, but (laughs) pretty much everybody that wanted to run a mile and a quarter on the first Saturday in May did. So you're left with this. And I don't blame people for, you know, just doing right by the horse. Don't go there if you don't want to. And I think even the uh, Mages Connections, they're not wild about a two-week turnaround, but they're going to do it because the horse bounced out of the Derby so well and it's only his fifth start. So I want, well, as I asked you about before, I want your take on National Treasure because he is your local boy. And I'm not as big a fan of him as I normally would be of California Horses. But what do you make of him coming out of the Santa Anita Derby?
0: No, I want I, I wanted to, I like him more than I do. And I he's going to be forwardly placed in here. The problem is just, he's not proven enough to be this short of a price. Like he <laughs> should be double this price. Like if I wanted to play him in the Preakness, he should be eight to one. And he's going to be seven to two, probably like he, because it really does feel like those three horses are kind of in a tier above from the betting. I I really think mage is going to take money. Um, I'm not that high on him. I think when the PPs came out initially, I was like, yeah, he's the horse that makes sense. And then I I just looked at him. I don't think he's gotten a whole lot better from last year. Now we can make a case. He had a foot bruise, so he missed some time. Um, He he had to miss the San Felipe, but I just, He's kind of a grinder. I, I think distance wise, he's fine. Like when you watch him visually, he's always run like a horse that I, that I thought could run all day. And I even said a few times earlier um, in the year he might be a horse who I'd want to play in the Derby. But I, he's just too short for me here. Like the price mm-hmm. is just for his chances of winning this and for how good I think he is. Mm-hmm. Like if he's seven to two winning the Preakness, I got five to one shots on Saturday at Louisiana Downs that I can bet. You know, I'm, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I've got. A, I got a segment coming up with a few best bets for Louisiana. You know, like I just, mm-hmm. I don't need this seven to two shot in this race. You know, um, yep. I, I, I honestly agree. would prefer the outside horse if they're going to be even close to the same price. Like first mission is going to get over bet too, but just comparing first mission to national treasure, I much prefer first mission.
7: That same. I absolutely agree. But I always want to get your take because usually yeah. we kind of see these things the same and we see a lot stronger group come from the West coast that I think are showing up this year. I mean, minus Skinner, who we aren't, we don't get to see, but National Treasure, when the, the running really started in the Santa Anita Derby, didn't have that much run. He hadn't run since January, fine, but he needed to show more there in order for him to put, have me put him ahead of Mage. I can't do it because horses who are not as good as Mage have beaten him on the square. So I'm completely with you on National Treasure. His hand gets forced a bit by drawing the rail. And its price will stink just because of the guy putting the saddle on and the guy getting yep. in the saddle. I'm just not interested at all.
0: No. And and what's hard is, so like, you know, we talk national treasure. We can go through the field mostly. It's just a small field. It's just, you know, Chase the Chaos <laughs> is a horse who comes uh-huh. in from, from Golden Gate. And the connections take a shot because they won their way in here. You know, they won the El Camino Real Derby. It gave them a spot in the Preakness. They tried the San Felipe to see what he would be like on the dirt didn't fire that day. And then what was a little concerning is that when he came back to his preferred surface, he didn't really fire in the California Derby. So he would need to improve. He's not in the greatest of form right now. And then the way the race shapes up, like those seem like they are all against him. And that's why he's 50 to one in here.
7: Yeah, boy, I thought you were going to bring up the Canterbury races for a minute, but I mean, we have to, we've made our mark on the Derby. And now, and there again, you go. You're in, the You're in yeah, the
0: freakness. You're well, in the freakness.
7: Chase the chaos. Um, but Mr. Muldoon, the horse who beat him in his debut, I don't think was showing up on anybody's radar for the Derby. So uh, it, it was kind of a surprise to see him in this yeah. spot, but the people who own him are nice people, at least the Dories. You, you get a I, shot. I, I, yeah. You
0: understand why. why? You, won, you know what? Yeah,
7: you won your way in does not matter if the horse runs eighth. you had a horse that ran eighth in the preakness good for them and you know he, they paid 10 grand for him
0: if he's doesn't if he doesn't hate the surface with his running style he could pass a couple horses late and it would be incredible to see a horse like this finish third or fourth you know and 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 pick up a slice chase the okay. chaos
7: mage i, I yeah. yeah i would love I, to root for team mojer team dory chase the chaos started right here but I mean, he's up against it. If he got third or fourth, I'm sure all of us involved would be thrilled. But uh, Chase the Chaos is very much up against it. I felt both from a pace standpoint and the class.
0: We have Mage, your derby winner, who's super talented. And he's shown that ability from day one. And the the issues that Mage has, Angela, he's kind of his own worst enemy sometimes, Mm -hmm. right? Because he's a little slow from the gate. He's a little quirky. He's one of those horses who has a bunch of ability, but he's still you know, the physical and the mental have to all come together. And they did in the Derby, even though he had a slowish start, it sort of put him in a good spot for the way the race shaped up. And two fills ran a fantastic race. He ran a bang up race, but Mage <laughs> was your, uh, was your deserving winner. He earned a big speed figure. I mean, based off of that figure and the competition, he is no doubt the horse to beat in here. It's just from a gambling standpoint, you know how short is he going to be, and do you have concern about the slow starts and the the short turnaround? Are those things that that worry you, Angela, about Mage?
7: Well, yeah. How do you not? How are you not concerned about a slow beginning with a horse drawn to the inside if he doesn't have pace to run down? Wow. Uh, if if he wasn't so dang talented, then I mean this would be a horse that would be way up against it. But uh, he's probably got the most talent in the field. He's got only four starts. I mean, who knew? that the two most heavily bet prospects in the Preakness would have a combined seven starts <laughs> I know. and be doing And this neither thing. one
0: of them had run before January the 28th.
7: Right. They both debuted as three-year-olds, but that's what we're dealing with. So rather than fight that with historical trends that may never hold up again, uh, I definitely give this horse a lot of credit. I just wonder where these huge efforts eventually plateau. I mean, they're horses. They're not machines. He just keeps running so dang well. And something's gotta give at some point. So is there like, another
0: got- step forward, Right. If, right
7: if right. he
0: regresses, I don't think he can he can regress and still run well. There may only be one horse or two in this yeah. race that can beat him, right? So yeah,
7: he, he can regress and win, but I just don't know where that point is for him no. he just, we just don't know how good he is at this point. So if you think that he's still got more improvement in him, eight to five is a steal. If you think that maybe today is a day where he levels off or he doesn't get the setup that he wants, Eight to five is awful, but I think there's no denying that he's the best horse in the race. Absolutely. Whether things are going to set up well enough to justify a bet on him at the short odds, he's going to be, and I don't think that they will.
0: I I agree with you. As uh, we move to coffee with Chris, pace factor in here. He was fifth in the Tessio behind perform. Uh, The race set up for horses coming from off the pace. We'd imagine he's probably going to be forwardly placed in here too. I'd, I'd think maybe he's in the top two and maybe first mission sitting right behind him in national treasure
7: i would think so if he's not sitting right off the hip of national treasure first mission will and we'll leave coffee with chris probably in a place he does not want to go so i would imagine they're going to send 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 and i would think set it up very nicely for a horse who might want to stay in close contact with both him and the rail drawn national treasure but their only way is to go with him i just there's no other way there's no other possibility at least in my mind and he's gonna
0: need to show major improvement in here like i think perform (laughs) is going to need to improve and perform handled him pretty easily so again it's it's the horse who has the he's the only horse in a race with a a win at Pimlico, so he has that going for him compared to everyone else and it's a small field like this so if you're local and you're looking around going this isn't the strongest field in the world. We have a horse with some speed in a race where there's not that much speed. Can we be forwardly placed and hang around for a slice? It, we didn't have to travel far. We're right here. Take a shot. Like I can, I can understand why. I just I don't think coffee with Chris is quite as good. Some of the others, so he's more of an under type for me at twenty to one. I wish there was one more speed horse in this race, Angelo, or I wish I I felt (laughs) a little more confident about the race shaping up for a closer. Cause I like red route one as a horse. I really do. Mm. He's honest. You know what you're going to get from him. He's going to lay back. He's going to launch. He and his jockey are like a perfect marriage. Him and Joel. It's that's like, they fit perfectly. (laughs) Um, I just don't know if he's going to get enough in here in this small field, but I, I do like him. And, isn't there always a horse like this at Oaklawn every year that like runs in all the Oaklawn preps is really honest is like a stone cold closer that finishes second or third. feels like we have oh, one definitely. one every year that's just like this. And he feels and like they, of, of the price horses, the one that people are wanting to make a case for or wanting to get to.
7: He's just naturally easy to like, just because of how explosive his late run is. But I, these are the kind of horses that drew me in very early and my love for horse racing because they are so dynamic and fun to watch but if you don't think that the race is going to set up for the derby winner who might be coming from off the pace i'm not sure you're going to think that it sets up for the bath house row winner that comes from even further off the pace so no he's a no for me I, i know that he he fits that mold of horses who are always coming at the end people would love him if he was in the belmont but i think given the way that pimlico typically tends to go and the way that this race shapes up as it's drawn he is by far the one most up against it from the pace standpoint he and chase the chaos i think will be not as far back as they'd like to be because they just won't have anything really going that quick in front of them if if he can somehow adapt to that more power to him but the last time that we saw him do it was on the turf so he's very much a mixed signal sort of horse
0: the number six is perform who won the frederico tesio that gave him a spot in the preakness and he has won back-to-back races he's moving forward but he did lose to mage back on january the 28th and that was actually mage's career debut and perform had a few races of foundation uh, under his belt but his race is going a little longer Uh, his last two have been a little bit better he it does seem like the change in tactics have helped him a little too i think just taking him back um and making the one late run where he doesn't have to carve it out all the way throughout and he just sort of pressed the button on him late just based on figures and stuff, we're saying if he's going to use that running style, though, and he's going to be sitting back there with Mage and Red Route 1, is he going to outclose those horses?
7: I, I, can you see how it happens? I mean, I thought the race just fell apart in front of him. It was an awesome, awesome effort. I mean, to weave through horses. Print you, it, was colors, cool. right. it was cool. Visually, you're right. He
0: was like, yeah. win it out. It was really cool.
7: How on earth did he get up? But I, I have to give a little more of that to the front runners who completely ran out of gas. Yep. performance usually been so much closer too. i wouldn't be surprised if he was and he's not gonna i don't think he's gonna beat red route one at his own game i don't think he's gonna beat national treasure at his own game I, there's just always going to be one who's better in whatever style they try to employ with perform but they did supplement into the race and obviously they're showing that he might have turned a corner he did it to go to tampa to break his maiden though and when he faced off against mage it wasn't really much of a race and stretch so take that with what you will just, if you think that he's improved that much, he's great. I don't think he has. I'm not going to use performance too much unless it's underneath in like a super, but I, I'm probably not going to play any of those in here anyway. So he's just a horse I'm not really going to touch.
3: And
0: we, we've we gone through the first six and like by process of elimination, we get to two horses on the outside that I think most pe- <laughs> like people will make cases for, uh, both, both of them. Um, The first one is the number seven blazing sevens. I'm not quite as high on this one as I've heard some. I can see him fitting in this race. If you toss his fountain of youth, um, you know, his form makes sense. Has he improved from two to three? I don't know. Some of those things might not matter in this race. Like it's not the strongest race in the world. We're not necessarily talking about a field of 20 in the Derby, but I do think with his connections, I probably feel the same that I feel with national treasure in that. Could he win this race? Sure but I'm not going to be getting the price I would want on a horse like blazing sevens in this spot. I don't think
7: I'm not a, a blazing sevens fan. I wasn't in the juvenile. I wasn't in the fountain of youth. I wasn't in the bluegrass. I'm not sure why I'd hop on now, especially given his tactics, but I, mean, I people love the last work that he put in at Belmont. Chad Brown horses run better when they're no longer at Gulf So I, I'm willing to dismiss the fountain of youth, but that doesn't leave a slate of races that blow me away. So no. until blazing Sevens proves otherwise, I think there are very few from that two-year-old crop that I would take with me into this three-year-old year. And Blaming Simmons is not one of them.
0: No. And then we get to first mission who I probably wouldn't have told you a few weeks ago that I was going to bet this horse in the preakness or not, I'd not bet, <laughs> but maybe make him my pick or the horse who I think is going to run the best race. But looking at the field that lined up, looking at this horse, his debut, was very good. He was second behind a horse named, named Bishop's Bay. That was sprinting six furlongs. We saw Bishop's Bay come back, run a very good race when finishing second in the Peter Pan, was only beaten ahead that day. So the form got flattered. Bishop's Bay won his next start and now was graded stakes placed. And then in the two races going longer, I just, I like the way he finished. I think this is a horse who has a, a little bit more watching how he finished and, in the maiden special weight win at Fairgrounds and then in the Lexington when he was sitting behind he moved up the rail and he kind of went through tight quarters i feel like he's going to get a fantastic trip with his running style it it's not going to be it's not going to be a great price but i really just don't like most of the others and the the way the race shapes up and he just feels like the horse right now who's really peaking
7: I agree with all of that. Wow, well done. You, you sometimes you scoop the angles. We haven't done that thus far in here, but I guess it was just now you wanted to wait. Uh, I, yeah, I wouldn't have taken him either if you had asked me out of the Lexington. You're gonna bet this horse in the Triple Crown, (laughs) but like you said, things have just aligned for him. It seems in this spot, from the draw to the other horses with the pace, A, a little bit of everything led me to First Mission. So. I'm with you, and I think he gets a perfect trip outside of either just National Treasure or National Treasure and Coffee with Chris. And I think one of the only ways you're going to beat Mage is by getting the jump on him on the front end. I think that's what First Mission can do. Even though Cox has said that they're not going to the lead, they're not going to be that far off. And you don't keep Luis Diaz on a horse if you want him to drop back to last. So if this horse can duplicate, and move just even a smidge forward from Lexington, he has a really, really good shot, and he has some advantages on some lower-priced competition. Well, I guess it would just be Mage to his left. But I think National Treasury and he are going to be in the same neighborhood. That I agree. Said, and this horse is a much better bet.
0: Completely agree. He just seems like he's really moving in the right direction. He's going to get that trip. First, Mission. feel like he's the play in the Preakness. As we finish up with our... Freakness analysis and a look at the pick 4. How do you think you might be playing on Saturday? What's the, what's your approach on these big type of days? Are you are you as much into the pick fours and fives, pick threes or individual races? How have you been uh, recently?
7: There's just so many options on big days like this. That's the main thing is assess your options fully in the card from start to finish because there's not necessarily just a pick four that lines up four in a row. There's all nope. dirt. There's there's black-eyed susan there's two day ones Doubles. yes there's pick threes just make sure that whatever your strong opinions are or your priciest opinions are just line up whatever you have involved with those and i mean i'll play more pick threes probably linking together smoke and jay and maybe not rock maybe just connecting them with hello hot rod since these two run back to back that would be more my interest or really load up on the back half of a pick four and single these two in the front of it, just because they're my more valuable opinions in the whole sequence. But in general, I respect Mage too much to bet heavily against him. Maybe a play or two, but I think that in general, the undercard, and even some of the other tracks that you really like to play that put together big cards on days like this, are the way to go. So I would focus more on the 10th and the 11th myself, as far as key horses, and maybe spread in the 12th and 13th. But if you have to pick out one single in here that gives you best bang for your buck, who is it?
0: Let's see. In, I, I would probably single. I mean, I, I'm going to single out with first mission. I don't know if that's like that. That'll be my approach. But I'll probably play another ticket where I can build some stuff around. Wonder where Craig is. I think maybe maybe that's the horse who I build some things around. Um, mm-hmm. Also, I could see myself playing a lot of the tickets around the two that we mentioned to start the 513. Mm-hmm. I think I might, I might play those two right off the bat in a lot of presses, Smoke and Jay beer can man. And then you use those two. Then you've got a couple extra bullets. If you want to, you know, spread out in a couple of the races um, following that. So I think I'll probably play two, two approaches, one where I start with just those two. And then one where I end with just first mission, and then I can get a little flexibility in between.
7: Yeah, exactly. And I think that I'll probably single Smoke and Jay. I'm going to take a chance that Beer can man gets a wider trip than he, <laughs> than anyone would want to in a five for a long race. So yeah. that would be my key in the whole sequence. But I thought that we got a good idea of kind of how we saw each race and you can really alternate in those. I mean, it's not every horse that you're going to see that's going to win. So throw in some horses that fit those scenarios that we talked about and see if you can't come up with a price.
0: Angela thank you so much. I really appreciate it. We look forward to the Canterbury meet starting and we see you pop up at Golf Stream all over uh here and there and <laughs> different places and you always do a fantastic job. That's the one thing uh, all, all kidding aside that. Um, from the very beginning, when we started talking races, when you would come on to TVG and I was uh, hosting and you'd give a little <laughs> previews for Canterbury stuff, I've always appreciated the work you put in. That's why we always like talking races, because I know that you've always done the homework. You've always put a lot of analysis into it. You're trying to find value. You are doing what we are supposed to be doing as handicappers and as gamblers. Um, you don't take the easy road ever. And uh, it's noticeable. <laughs> it's noticeable with your work. You always are very helpful and you uh, you help all the fans and the customers and the viewers learn when they listen to you. So can't thank you enough for all, uh, all the hard work that you put in.
7: Well, back at you. And thank you for your hard work and having me join in. I mean, we love the sport, so we want other people to love it the same way. It's one of the best ways to do it. Hope everybody uh, listening has some winners and enjoyed it.
0: Make sure to give Angela a follow on Twitter at Angela Herman 15 does a good job there when she's uh, out at Canterbury and when she's covering the races of letting you know some of her thoughts, Angela, good luck this weekend. And we'll talk to you again real soon. Cause we have Belmont coming up in a few weeks. You've got Canterbury opening up. So I'm going to have to annoy you and, uh, and keep bringing <laughs> you back here soon.
7: <laughs> Looking forward to it. And thank you so much for your time.
0: Thank you all for listening, but don't go anywhere, folks. Still a lot more to come on this episode If That's What G Said. Thanks so much to Angela for helping us out with Breakness Saturday. Make sure to follow along with Angela with Canterbury coming up. She will be a great resource to help you out with the Canterbury races. Saturday, Santa Anita. I know one family that spent a lot of Saturdays at Santa Anita that's the Carava family and one of the longtime sponsors of That's What G Said podcast is Cindy Carava, full service realtor Cindy Carava and she can help you out with buying, with selling, with leasing. She can help connect you to vendors if you need help with home improvement like gardeners, landscapers painters, all sorts of great folks that she's worked with that she has experience working with maybe you need help with the loan process she can connect you to the right type of lender that will help expedite that process and make it easier for you that's what she wants to do. She wants to make your life easier. She wants to take the stress away from all those things that you don't even understand about moving and relocating. It is difficult. It is tough. Cindy Carava will help you out. C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A dot com. Let's get to Saturday racing. Let's take a little look at Santa Anita for Saturday. If we want to look at the back part of the Santa Anita card, a couple that I think are interesting Race number six, maiden special weights, going a mile on the turf. I thought the one free and humble intriguing here. This three-year-old filly, she's been on the turf twice. Both of those races were not bad. And on August the April the thirtieth, she had a fine start. She kind of got pushed inside back a bit. She was sixth, seventh. She cut the corner nicely. She moved up uh, for a photo. Was in a tight finish for third there. And that was going six and a half furlongs. Now she stretches out to a mile. I think she'll be more forwardly placed. She gets to put two starts together and go second start off the long layoff. Second start as a three-year-old. I like the number one, free and humble. It's five to one on the morning line. In race number seven, right next door, it's a maiden 20 claimer. But it looks ripe for the first-time starter, the number three, Liddell. This one goes out for Dan Blacker. And I thought the April 30th work on XPTV was pretty good. So in the morning, I've seen some ability. The, t- the work tab is pretty steady. The dam was a four-time winner who won her second start. She was a stakes winner. And she's produced four siblings. Three of them are multiple winners. The only other one that didn't win had only one race. I like the three in there. Uh, the four, Apple Warrior, I'd use in some exotics. The six, Cupid's Crusader, would also use in some exotics. In the fourth race, the eighth race, I like the number four in here. Very scary. Who cuts back from a couple graded stakes effort, finishing third, going a mile in the Royal Heroine, and then in the Wilshire, now cuts back to six and a half down the hill. You'll notice she won at seven and a half over at Turf Paradise, and I think the downhill layout should be perfect for Very Scary, the number four, who's five to one on the morning line in race number eight. The ninth race. Couldn't really, if we're just kind of going through the late pick five, I really couldn't make a case for anyone in there. And in the 10th race, I just thought it was a strong spot for Seven Charms, who's going to go as a first-time gelding. The last time at this level, he finished second. And when he was in against Maiden 50s, the race that qualified him for this allowance race, he absolutely jogged. So it's a great spot for Seven Charms to close out the, uh, the Santa Anita card. I mean, if he's anything over like five to two, I might even play him. There in that spot. So a little look at Santa Anita for Saturday, best of luck on Saturday at Santa Anita. And don't forget, folks, every Saturday and every Sunday, they have free contest. They're pick'em contest. They're, the website is Pick'em, P-I-C-K-E-M dot And they're games that ask you twelve questions that are combinations of horse racing questions and sports questions. Some of them just ask you to pick the the line or the point spread in a game. Others will ask you to, um, you know, pick a certain player prop. Free to enter, 500 bucks to the winner every Saturday, every Sunday at Santa Anita. Pick'em.SantaNita.com Let's move to Louisiana Downs. Let's take a quick look at Louisiana Downs for Saturday and Louisiana Downs for Sunday. I've got two plays for each day. Louisiana Downs' first post is at 3.05 Eastern Time on Saturday, May the 20th. I like the number one in race four. That's Rebecca G. There is just no other early speed in here. I don't know who pushes her early. Maybe the one, a.k.a. Grams, but Rebecca G feels so much faster. She's going to go third start off the short break. Big class drop into a softer spot. I like the number four, Rebecca G. Six to one on the morning line in race number one. We move to race number seven. And I'm looking at the number seven in race number seven. And it's a six for a long dirt sprint for second level allowance runners for Louisiana breds. Hostel Afleet faced a wire-to-wire winner last time out. And should get some pace to chase in here. The one Lori's wish, R Freddie Mac. Uh, all have some speed. We could also see some speed from Aztar. Two starts back, Hostel of Fleet was behind a horse named My Man Louie, who was also a Next Out winner and got a great trip. So this is just going to be a race where there's a lot more speed for a horse like Hostel of Fleet to get a better opportunity to run him down late. That's uh, Hostel of Fleet, the number 7, 6-1 to one on the morning line. Let's look at Saturday at Louisiana Downs. Let's move on over to Sunday. At Louisiana Downs, take a look at races four and eight for Sunday at LAD. In the fourth race, I like the number seven in here, that's Okuda. Okuda has outside speed in this race and looks like the one they'll all have to run down and catch. Okuda went wire to wire on March the 5th at Fairgrounds against 5,000 non-winners of three. He comes off uh, that impressive victory last time out. Two starts back, it was a race where he was pulled up. And prior to that his form was not that bad. He had back-to-back third place finishes. There was a race at the end of his 2020 uh, the the end of September in 2022 when he just didn't run well, but before that the races on the grass last year at Louisiana weren't bad. I think he's a sneaky horse in here, Okuda, the number 7. He's 6 to 1 on the morning line. And then on Sunday, May the 21st in the 8th and final at Louisiana, I thought both of the outside horses are kind of interesting. The 9, Montastical. Look at the race in which she debuted. She was behind Punchbowl, Unsung Melody, and Sacred Wish. Punchbowl is 2 for 3 and the only time she lost he was 2nd in the Grade 1 Ashland. Unsung Melody won next out. Sacred Wish was 2nd in the Gulfstream Park Oaks. She's in the Black Eyed Susan. There were 2 other Maiden Special weight winners in that race. Five next out winners, four maiden specials, and one of them beat winners. But I actually like the eight more. Regal Stance. Her dam was a three time winner on the turf. She lost to a horse named Heavenly Sunday in her debut. Heavenly Sunday is three for five, is a grade two winner, and is multiple graded stakes placed. I think it's a good spot for the eight. Regal Stance, who is 10 to one. So a couple prices to include. The outside, the number 8 and the number 9, Regal Stance. And Montastical, I like the 8, Regal Stance a bit better. So there's your racing Friday, Saturday, and Sunday racing for you. Pimlico, Santa Anita, Louisiana, Downs. We are all over the place this weekend. Let's finish up with Wrestling with Chad Cooper. Before we get into that, don't forget about our friends at SarahCandles.com. If you're looking for a great gift for someone, why not a candle you can get different scents for different moods different seasons different uh, occasions and these candles they are healthier for you they're non-toxic no toxinogens no carcin- no, um, no carcinogens there are n- no pollutants these are healthier better burning because of the soy wax candle that they use they will actually burn a little bit longer for you so it saves you money more affordable and healthier for you SarahCandles.com C-E-R-A-Candles.com Use the promo code G-I-N-O And that'll get you 10% off your purchase Let's dive into this week in wrestling Chad Cooper joins us We talk AEW, WWE, SmackDown, Raw, and NXT On This Week in Wrestling with Chad Cooper
1: Here it is folks Fight of the night And trying to claim that belt once and for all It's this week's wrestling recap All right, come down. And here he is, your hometown hero, your reigning champ, the one and only Chad Cooper.
0: It's that time, it's time to talk with Chad Cooper about everything going on the world of pro wrestling we'll talk some AEW WWE with Raw Smackdown and then we'll get into some NXT Koopaloop Scoops Coop joins us Says it's been a an eventful week for AEW a lot of news some things that we heard that didn't come out lots of things changed but the biggest news of the week AEW will have a new Saturday night show starting next month It'll be prime time on Saturday from 8 o'clock to 10 o'clock p.m. Eastern time, which is not going to be an easy time to draw viewers when you have a lot of things going. Saturday is not an easy night for TV to begin with. Plus, you think about in two months with college football starting, how many of those college football games that start at, um, you know, 7 or 8 Eastern on ABC – or uh, or Fox, or ESPN. There's going to be a lot of competition out there. We thought CM Punk was going to be the headliner of this show. Now we don't even know. (laughs) Rumors that he was kind of pulled from this the last few moments. CM Punk's cutting promos on Instagram about Brian Alvarez and uh, (laughs) Pro Wrestling Observer. Coop, it's been, I mean, a lot of good, some bad. We thought we were going to hear of a new deal announced. We didn't. So now we're not sure if this is just a little bit of extra TV and not the big, big deal we were hearing of. This is like a WWE week for AEW in that we're hearing so much on the business side. There's drama side. And I will say I thought for the most part, the TV show was pretty good. Like always, there are three or four things throughout the show that I didn't like. But I thought they finished kind of strong and they had a couple big moments. Man, AEW. I'm gonna roll the ball out, and you just take it. Where do you want to start?
6: There's so a- many. AEW, Gino. AEW. Yeah. Let's first talk about the big news. Uh, AEW Collision. First, let's talk about this logo, which is, as soon as you saw it, if you're WCW a <laughs> man, Nitro, the WCW Nitro. Same colors. The only thing that's different is the company name and uh, the title of the program. It's 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 basically identical. Um. Yeah. Live every Saturday night. Uh, first and foremost, live is uh very expensive. Um, it, and it, it's it's apparent that this is a new brand within AEW. If you looked on the announcement, poster, so just
0: just to add, uh, and I yeah. don't want to interrupt you,
6: the no, uh, one of the guys it. from WrestleNomics
0: last night, I was listening to him. He was on the the post wrestling podcast with with John Pollock and Waiting. He he said, I think his name is Brandon Thurston. He's he just estimated that it's about a half million dollars per episode of live tv oh, to to, man, co- to cost you to put on <laughs> so for a full year if you were putting on live tv each week it would be about 25 million in Golly. production costs and that's like a safe estimate so you you need to be getting back a lot more than that just to be just for it to be worth it for them to be going live on the road with their talent roster, too. Think about how much they pay a lot of that talent. So and, not it, cheap, yeah, and just look, like you said.
3: It,
6: it, and, Gino, I'm glad you brought that up, because if you look, um, I'm not looking at the poster, but you could tell. Um, of course, you have the AEW world champion on there, MJF. But if you look around, you're going to see, see some faces that you haven't seen on Dynamite in quite some time um thunder rosa el andrade uh these types so um it's interesting that cm punk did not make the poster as you say uh we're hearing that it was a last minute pull then he again he's firing on all cylinders today i saw him go after uh uh either alvarez or, or Meltzer and saying that uh, uh that Dan Housen, uh, he's just quoting different things that the Wrestling Observer Newsletter has quoted over the last couple of weeks uh, about certain people in AEW. So it's very eventful today if you're on social media, especially on Instagram. Check out these stories by CM Punk. I, it, it's, uh, that's, this is an uphill battle. Um, you know, you, you have a program that's live on Wednesday night, which is your flagship show. You have a majority of the time. You have a one-hour program on Friday nights. Uh, That's already uh, majority, struggled
0: from the very beginning, and, and this it's, it's it reminds alive. me of what they did. You know, WWE's done this before with a couple shows that they've brought on, presented, made the first episode, the first week, the first month seem like a big deal, and then stopped. Remember main event? Remember main that
6: event? That first Sunday, night episode, heat, it you was know? CM
0: Punk versus Sheamus. They were both world champions.
6: Yeah, I do remember had, that now.
0: They would build up the show, it would be about one match. They would play videos like really it it was really cool for the first month or so. They would just it would just be built all around one match. They'd let that one match go like 20, 25 minutes and they'd tell stories, you know, leading up to that match and they'd have maybe like one or two kind of throwaway undercard, but it was all built around one match and then they completely went out the window with that. This is what worries me. Because when WCW – Eric Bischoff will still go on record and say the biggest thing that hurt WCW was when they were forced to do another live show that week, Thunder. Said it was too much for them. They couldn't handle it. Now, can AEW consistently handle all the stories that are being told? This could be one of two things, Chad, because it could be good for them because – It feels like there's so many wrestlers on that roster that we never see yeah, or that we see so rarely, but are they going to be able to keep a whole nother set of storylines going when, I mean, we're two weeks out from a pay-per-view and it feels like we got the entire card put on the show last night.
6: Well, I, my concern is once you get past the first couple of months of this thing and the first thing that I thought of when, you know, when they said live every Saturday night um, yeah, the buzz is back. You know, things are different than when uh, WCW was on Saturday evening television. Um, there wasn't 30 other channels showing live college football.
0: Monster uh, numbers, too. And, and so, football's just different now.
6: It is. It is. Every channel's got – look, even Peacock it, – it, Look, you've got streaming services now that are starting to show college football. It's not just the usual suspects. ESPN, what about the
0: once a month when WWE has a pay-per-view
6: <laughs> on Saturday gonna go night? Head-to-head. They're going to go head-to-head. And I just think that, look, I, these people, the cons have so much money. Um, but they're also, are these the type of people that there comes a point in time where you go, okay, um, we're just bleeding money. Um, and it's not, I, I just don't think this thing is going to be very successful. I, will it be better than Friday nights? Probably. Um, but I'm telling you the first couple of times that you have to tape a show and it's not live. Um, it already just, feels uh, the it, feel. Yes, of it. it does. You it just does. And if this it's is like a rebrand, you're
0: telling this, your customers and your viewers, this isn't that important.
6: Right. <clears throat> Right. And uh, like, again, look at that poster, I'm not taking anything away from those guys or girls that are on that poster, but there's going to become, um, it's going to be quicker than uh, than normal when you're going to have to put the bucks on there, when you're going to have to put Moxley on there. And right now um, let's, let's call it what it is. I mean, dynamites. Uh, uh, look, I send you the ratings a- a- every Thursday afternoon. And it seems like over the past couple of months, where they're they're eight hundred thousands. Uh, they, you know, it used to be they were in the nine hundreds and they would pop over a million. Now it's when they pop over nine hundred thousand, it's like okay. So I, I just I don't know what good this is going to do. Uh, kudos for them to. And and you know what? If they're getting a bunch more money, away,
0: if they get a bunch more money, and that's where they're trying because and that's their for, model. Sure. For for now, they've probably not been profitable. Up until now, no, like we we're saying, it, yeah, they've yeah. they've had to put so much money into their roster, production, everything. And Tony's done a lot of good stuff for the fans, where he's paid for things to try to get good faith, and he he's gotten a lot of it from people out there, right? A lot of them, a lot of the investments they've made are to the hardcore wrestling fans, and those people always talk really positively about AEW. So I think in a lot of ways, it's done uh, it's done good for them. But now comes the point where. Like you said, as as Dynamite's getting down to 800, 8, or 850-ish, with the show on Saturday, if they're not really connected as much, if as many people aren't watching that show, because on a Saturday night it might be harder, are they going to be carrying storylines over, back and forth, or they're going to be teasing things here and there, and is it going to make more people want to watch Dynamite, or is it going to make people think, Oh, you know what? There's some wrestling I can watch Saturday. There's some wrestling I can watch. Does it make you watch it all a little bit less? I, I don't know. I I, I really don't. Maybe it, maybe it will do good. I just – I don't like the time slot, and no. I don't like – the reason why they, this show initially was being talked about is because of CM Punk.
6: CM Punk, sure.
0: So he may not be on there right, right now to start. He may not be on there. He may not be in AEW anymore tomorrow – he might be back. Who knows? We we don't know with him. It changes day to day. But what I do know is I wouldn't want to have to count on him if that's the reason why we created a show.
6: <laughs> he's like, pretty volatile right now, man.
0: <laughs> and, and for a few reasons, we've seen that he's someone who he he becomes discontent he he's very opinionated the guy's super talented and he he you know he thinks very highly of himself and i he has a reason to he's been one of the bigger stars in wrestling in the last 20 25 years but do you want to put all your eggs in that basket when not only has he had a, a difficult time with a lot of your top stars your executives but also just physically chad what the last two times he's been in the ring he's been injured right after
6: yeah, that's a good point. Uh, that's a, that's a very valid point. Um, and is 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 he the guy to carry this this brand? And also other questions: Are you going to have the same announce team? Are we going to have a different look? You know, they scrapped the dark and dark elevation from YouTube. Let's not forget they still have Ring of Honor. Uh, that every so often, um, I mean, every Thursday they're putting you know tape matches uh, on their uh, uh, the Ring of Honor website. Uh, that's subscription based, so it, it's 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 a lot on the table for this company to to handle. And think I, about now they're doing house shows too. And right? They're doing house shows, and I'm glad so you now, mentioned the Eric Bischoff thing because I was just listening to him the other day on one of his podcasts talking about that exact the exact very same thing about expanding. And look, WCW was around for a long, long time. Is AEW doing too much too soon instead of focusing on this dynamite? Because look, the more you start put out, putting out there, I don't know if it helps it. You know, uh, you know, you, you've seen a, a dip in in the Monday night ratings. And look, we're we're in the midst of the summer here, when there's not much. You know, the NBA will be over here in about a month. You know, the final NBA Finals goes through what June. Um, once you hit that July 4th weekend There's really not a lot going on You have about eight, a good solid eight weeks um, Before college to to football takes over On Labor Day weekend When it really gets going And I think it's going to be a, an ugly battle And like you said When you have WWE With one of their big pay-per-views uh, Going up against you on a Saturday night I don't care if you put Moxley Punk I, I don't care who you put over there it, It's not going to compete with that It's tough Hey look I give this guy for, for all the negative I, I say about AEW and Tony Khan.
0: This is the biggest number two there's ever been.
6: and right you gotta give him credit. Since for WCW saying, hey, for look, sure. I'm gonna shoot every bullet that I have and regardless if we beat them or not, this is our model, this is what we're doing. I'm just curious to see how long this, this lasts before changes are start being made on Saturday night from two hours to an hour from taped to not taped. Um, I, I don't know. It's an interesting time for AEW because, uh, as you said, we've got a, you know, they've got a couple of big pay-per-views uh, every year. Look, they don't do one every month, uh, the two uh, the two or three big ones. This is one of them coming up, and we're just now, we're, what, a week away from the pay-per-view, and we're just now learning some of the matches. So we'll, we we know they're trying to build off the big Wembley Stadium, you uh, you know, sell of tickets, but it looks like the it, it's their product has been hurt over here a little bit. You're not seeing as many tickets move um, over here domestically in the United States. Um, so it's definitely an interesting time here. And in if you think CM Punk's going to be the answer, I, well, I just don't know if he's going to be the answer.
0: Well, because what's happening, Chad, is what happened initially with the WWE, and now they are going to all these places more often, right? Sure. So. It's not as much of a a novelty when AEW shows up, because all these fans are like, "Oh, I went last month. I, I I won't have to spend as much money this time. I'll wait till they come back the next time." Sure. You know, because they're at, they have house show tapings. They've got the Dynamite tapings. They've got, you know, tapings for coming up for a collision now. And on some of those tape those nights when they tape, they go so long. If you oh, go yeah. there. It's not that you hate it. You get a bunch for your for your dollar, but at the end, you're like, wow, I just sat through Dynamite, Rampage, uh, and, like, three matches for the YouTube show. You and, know, and you know it's, what?
6: It's, Some of those really good matches suffer because they're later in the night, you know? I and the mean, crowd's been,
0: just tired. Sure, sure. you are down. And,
6: and, sure.
0: And we'll see how this will play out as we head into AEW from this weekend. I, I didn't – I liked what they were trying to do with the build to the main event match Chad with Darby, MJF, uh Jungle Boy and Sammy. So but they did wh- what I would have liked is come out at the beginning of the night and say what we're going to do tonight is we're going to have all three of the challengers have matches sort of a warm up for their uh, big title match in a week and a half and just kind of lay it out that way. They didn't. All of the matches were kind of weird, and they didn't make a lot of sense. Like, Darby Allens in a tag
6: team match. Yeah, I didn't like that.
0: <clears throat> that I thought that was sort of weird. Against Big uh, Big Bill and Lee Moriarty, it's Darby and Orange Cassidy. I, I didn't understand that. Then we had Sammy come out against Exodus Prime, and Sammy squashes him with two moves. Uh, that, you know what? I don't even mind the squash for a guy that you're building up. For the world title match, the the weirdest thing about this, he comes out after and he cuts a babyface promo, which is probably <laughs> one of Sammy Guevara's better promos and is probably the most he's ever connected as a babyface. Really, because he's in home, he's from Texas, so he's completely acting like a babyface now. After, like, why? I don't. This is so weird to me. Was this just a Texas thing? Is he going to go back next week to being snarky <laughs> and to acting like a heel? I don't know how this makes sense. Wouldn't it make more sense for these three guys to all sort of be against each other? Now they tried to tell the story that they're all going to maybe team up against MJF. And I think they've sort of felt like they had to, to kind of tell this story, Chad, because I don't know if anybody believed that any one of these guys had a shot to beat MJF.
6: No, and that's what's the frustrating part of this. This should be your big storyline heading into the pay per view next week. And this thing I can't mean event, right? Me. Yeah, and, and and I think you agree with me. I, I think you probably would agree with me. This is not the big storyline heading. I, I held the elite in the what the BOC seems uh, more of a bigger storyline than this does. Um, I, I I don't I don't know if the average wrestling fan. Even put Sammy Guevara in Texas together, like maybe Shawn Michaels in Texas. Completely I, agree. I just yeah, I, I didn't understand that focus of it. And look, it, it, and I like the part where them three are, are going to team up against MJF. Um, I think it's 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 hurt MJF him not wrestling over the last couple of months on TV. Um,
0: he wrestled a, an someone... indie match this last weekend. He, I saw he
6: did. He did. That's what was very very interesting. Um, you know, it's look, I think you and I have said this to our faces basically have turned blue. The, the easiest part of winning the championship is actually winning the championship. It's, it's what happens when you get that rocket. What's next? Uh, and it's, it's not been very easy for him, but you know what, in his defense, look at some of the guys before him. That's had that championship. That's not been very good with it. And again, with this pay-per-view coming up a week away, and MJF as hot as he was, as good as he was, this should be the talk heading into next week's pay-per-view, and it's not. It's no. really not.
0: The final match of the, th- of the three of them was uh, Jungle Boy, Jack Perry versus Roosh. I was uh, listening to the Wade Keller podcast last night, and one of their callers called in and said, so you've got Jungle Boy having to win by roll-up against a guy who's never won on AEW TV, but they make us think he's a big deal. And this is a guy <laughs> that they're setting up for the the main event title match. And I thought that was just a great way of putting it. Like, we well, see was, Ru- yeah. we see Roosh all the time, and they tell us how good he is, and he is, but he never wins. So why are we supposed to believe it's a big deal beating this guy, having to roll uh, get a roll up on him as you head into the your main event World title match. I don't. I just don't know. I think you were kind of hitting on it. it collectively, at if they were going to tell this story from the beginning that all three of these guys were going to team up to try to take MJF out, I would. I would have been completely fine with it.
6: Absolutely, but I'd have been ecstatic over it. They pivoted
0: last week. They were having <laughs> Sammy and MJF kissing each other. They were like wearing each other's uh, u- gear. They. <laughs> They were a team where they had their music like spliced together. I mean, they were doing <laughs> like buddy stuff. KO and, and then,
6: Sammy, yeah. And then yeah. that
0: instantly stopped, and now Sammy's a baby face, I think. Um, and, and,
6: and, 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 and Ty didn't said, come down to the ring with him either, right? No, no, and it just didn't make it didn't make sense. Look, I didn't have a problem with the match, but no match. As you started talking about dynamite, why is Darby Allen? Tagging in this match, I don't know. There's just a lot of head-scratching things to get people in, and I'm with you. I I thought the the, the episode was fine, but it's just things like this that will drive you wild, drive you insane.
0: It's funny because every time for MJF, he's done the, like you have to go through the gauntlet. <laughs> yeah. This would have been a time when it made the most, the most sense, sense ever yes. for him to yes. pick opponents for all three guys, right? <clears throat> yes. And him like Tony Khan tell, or he has a moment where he said, Tony Khan gave me the opportunity to hand pick opponents for all three of you. I'm going to pick one for all three of you. You guys aren't even going to make it to the pay-per-view that just made it makes sense at least right yeah. at the beginning. Yeah. we understand the matches can all be different but and they could have done the same thing after the match i just i felt like we've had such a big pivot in uh, this
6: That's a good this good word for it i like that
0: i like right? that it's just been a little disappointing um honestly so darby and orange cassidy get the win in their their tag match actually before that wardlow opens the show yeah yeah it I promise there are a couple things that I did like on Dynamite, but I didn't like this at all.
6: This I do not one of them. Me neither. Not starting the show with this with Christian he Cage standing tall. Starts call. the
0: show with Wardlow. He calls out Christian. Wardlow doesn't have Art out there with him. Christian hits a a low blow, and then they beat down Wardlow with a ladder. Um, so, it, I, again, I, somebody was pointing it out. Like Wardlow looked too good. He looked too well dressed yeah. for a monster guy like him. He looked like a guy <laughs> yeah. that was like going to be getting pictures taken by Chad Cooper for the uh, <laughs> the cover of EQ.
6: You know what I mean? Like senior session, senior like, high school yeah, graduate he had session. Yes, at the no socks on
0: with the shoes, right? Yeah, he was rocking yeah, he that and he had like the tight clothes, which he was he's a good looking dude, but it's yeah, funny. He is. it's not this character you're playing. Right? He's supposed to be like more of a tough badass than I don't know, like a a really sharp dressed guy,
6: like I don't know, a sharp dressed
0: man, right? Is that
6: a thing? Like, <laughs> are, are you are you okay with the program of this being a ladder match at the pay per view with Christian?
0: Okay, because if they're if they're trying to do the thing where they have Wardlow, they're trying to make Wardlow impressive by beating Christian in a ladder match. If that's what ends up happening, I'm okay with it. If Wardlow loses this title, I just. We're done. We gotta be done with. I mean,
4: he just <laughs> want it back
0: again, and then you lose it. If they have him lose it, even if it's in a ladder match, as a way for them to try to get him not looking so bad, I, I don't know. It, it's it's gotta the be. Type,
6: these are the type of matches that have your strong wrestlers take losses in. Yep. You know, this is the old WWE. You know, John you
0: can- Cena versus Sheamus through the table.
6: Yeah, you could put Drew match. McIntyre you could put Drew McIntyre in a cage with Carrion Cross. So look, I'm not downplaying Carrion because I'm a cross mark now. As you and I know, are you know, we're best of friend Twitter buddies now. Um but that's the type of matches you can get away with. Uh well, it was a cage match or, you know, it was a ladder match. So you have a good point here. There isn't an out here for Christian to win.
0: And that would not be good, because then they could do they could do something like they try to have Wardlow lose this and then go up to face MJF. MJF, He can't go up to face MJF off a loss. It's not going to work for his character the way he's been treated recently. If he didn't have all the other stuff going on before where he lost to Hobbs and then lost to Samoa Joe and those things, well, then, then, okay, then you could maybe have a schmoz, but I I don't know. I I, I didn't like this with the, with Wardlow and, and where they're headed. Um, We continue on through Dynamite. We another thing. So we gave it a lot of credit when they did the uh, they filmed the scene at the Briscoes. I thought it was pretty funny, you know, Mm -hmm. with with the Jarrett's and with lethal. This to (laughs) me seems just so weird that we're just really all of the great tag teams that you have, all of the incredible wrestlers. And I you, you could put any combination of them together in a tag team. And we're really going with double J. And lethal here. like we're really like, I, I don't even have a problem with Jeff Jarrett being on TV and playing his kind of heel older role. But he's got to be in the title picture again for these tag team titles. Sautnam sings become a little entertaining. The big man, like doing funny stuff. This was weird. Um, we have, you know, Shivani welcomes them to the ring and we have Cash and Dax that come out. We get into a brawl. Then Karen Jarrett appears, hits him with a low blow. There's just a lot going on. And again, I think you have FTR. You don't have any better opponents out there for them than this.
6: Yeah, that stinks. I I just don't get it. Maybe for a novelty, you're in Tennessee this week, you know, WWE has been known to do that, to bring back a legend who's been popular or who was from that town or that territory. But I'm the same with you. I, I don't get it. Of of all the talent they have on this roster, this this is what it's become. I, I just think they've at, at the end of the day. And I should have said this a while ago when we were talking about these these all these three. Di- you know? That basically you have three different shows. Not even counting Ring of Honor uh, that's online. I, I just think they've lost their identity. I think they. You talk about a pivot. Pivot's the word of the this week for that's what G said this week in wrestling. Pivot. I, I think they have pivoted so many times from their original identity. And look, we know you're not going to stick to your same game plan that you always started because you end up. No, but though. when but was the, the last
0: is. time like a record record? I mean, we we heard the wins that Tony picked up, which I actually liked. I'm going to yeah, bring that up in a yeah. minute. I like that sure. they mentioned that Tony got four wins in the last five days, and that was a I record. Love that. And that that's I why they're that. going to have her. I was like, what? And, and see how simple it is. It's just like yeah. one one little simple thing. By saying it and letting us know, okay. So, Paige, uh, Soraya, she made her return on September twenty first, two thousand twenty two. September twenty first, and she's been involved with Britt Baker in the same storyline since. They and then now they've turned from heels to baby faces. Think about that from September now through May. And it feels just a little like they 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 don't know how to end this, they don't know how to finish this. Um, we ended up having the outcast versus Brit and Sheeta because Jamie Hayter has a legit injury right now. We've only seen Soraya wrestle a few matches. I I don't love and haven't loved the story as much, but I will say coming out of this, I think Tony Storm right now probably looks like Close to the best version of Tony Storm that we've seen in AEW, she's really aggressive. I like the heel, the character coming through, like super confident. I, I like the little promo that she cut after winning. And Tony Storm's gonna get a match with Jamie Hader at the pay per view, which was actually, again, so think about how long these these same groups of women have all been involved. <laughs> Tony lost to Jamie Hader when Tony was still a babyface. Now they're going to yeah, face again at the pay-per-view with just slightly different and she's
6: characters. Gotta, and she's got she's to got, she's win this title, right? I think she's so. To, and, I, and I agree with you. This look, and it, I said the same about Braun Breaker, and we, we saw it again on Tuesday night. If this was the original Braun Breaker that we, we would have seen, and I think Braun has been doing so good, I think this guy's probably moving up here after after this next uh nxt this guy will be a main roster guy here pretty soon but i agree with tony storm the assessment um i think she's definitely the star of that group um and i think she needs the title i don't think she needs to be with them i'm not a fan of factions uh, of all these factions but it feels as if hater is has been bitten by the injury bug You, you know as for your your women's champion Um, she's been around. She hasn't been involved in a whole lot of match stuff. There is injury talk, but I would think Tony Storm probably wins this title next week.
0: Orange Cassidy announced that uh, twenty different people asked for a title shot, so he's gonna face them all. Four
6: backstage segments this week. Yeah, I loved it. He just kept coming back. Oh, one more thing, Renee. (laughs) I'm gonna
0: face. And he said, "Hey, Renee, you want You want a shot?" And she's like, "Eh, "No, I'm good. I'm good." Um. Tony Khan then mentioned that gives us an announcement, AEW Collision. He then announces another announcement that will happen next week. So we did get an announcement of the new show, but he didn't tell us where it is because it's supposed to be in Chicago for the first one. And if they don't know if they have punk, they're not going to be able to run in Chicago or have it there, and they're going to have to change their plans. So I think this is all like really last minute stuff because. There's been a whole lot of drama the last few days, like we were mentioning. Stuff with Ace Steel with Punk's buddy. He's on Instagram calling out the wrestling observer guys. Um anyways, I will I will give him credit. Always do the pre-tapes for Tony Khan. Like these. Don't go out there live. Yeah. Just don't try to do it. Especially in this situation, because people would have they may have chanted CM Punk. Like he I think he there's a little bit of um I think with Tony, sometimes there's a little bit of like everybody around him telling him like he's doing a great job and this and that, which is, which is the problem with a lot of billionaires, right? A lot of people in like the, that run companies, they have a lot of yes men and women around them, but I'm glad he doesn't go out there trying to cut promos thinking he's like a great promo guy or thinking that the crowd would just, they like me, they like our product so they wouldn't turn on me. That crowd would have been chanting CM Punk if he went out there for sure. Oh, yeah. So so, that was smart. Record this thing. Don't even give him a chance. Next thing that was strange. Jericho Roddy Strong. Love, loved a lot of the match. I thought it was funny. I thought the walking through the whole arena was kind (laughs) of fun. He's got the Mister Freeze, the ice cream thing on him or whatever it is, right? Uh, he gets him in the face. You see everybody. It's kind of cool as they're walking through. This is the University of Texas, right? So yes. you see like the the merchandise stuff in the background and you see all sort of Longhorn stuff as they're walking around. And then they get outside and Adam Cole kind of that that's where I I I kind of remembered oh Jericho's in a match with Adam Cole next week like I like this for Roderick Strong because I was like wow this is probably the most important match Roderick Strong's had on a big like with a big audience like this in his whole life they're probably like a few times on NXT but this is probably the most people that have ever watched Roderick Strong and he was in a match against Chris Jericho and he looked good it just was one of those weird things where I know the losses don't hurt Jericho at this time but we need him losing like this before he's going to be going into. With Adam a, Cole, right? A big yeah. match with Adam Cole. I don't think they've announced that yet, e- 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 actually. But it's got to be him versus Adam Cole at the pay-per-view, right?
6: I, look, I, I'm happy for Roddy. I, I'm a big fan of his. Always have been. Always will be. Um, I, I I thought it was an interesting booking here. and I, I completely agree with what you said. Jericho, at this point in his career, losses really doesn't hurt him. And they won't ever. But this particular time, I, look, you're feuding with Adam Cole, a guy that and what if Jericho, go, let's say they do work next weekend. Right. And Jericho goes over. Um, I, I mean, if you have this match now, you got to book, Adam Cole, to go over Jericho. If not, it's just a slap in Cole's face. So I just thought it was look, I, I like the presentation. I like the match. I just thought it was an interesting booking for Jericho to lose. I thought for sure you talked about a DQ, um, a match that needs to have a weird ending um, instead of Jay White and uh, and Ricky Starks, and we'll talk about that in a second. This probably should have been schmozzy. Um, yeah. And, and unless we unless we unless there's something we don't know about Adam Cole for next week if he's injured again, I don't know. Um, but for somebody to be in a feud with Adam Cole and he loses, I, I thought this was pretty weak booking here.
0: We add. Jay White versus Ricky Starks. Yeah. Ends in a DQ. The match was fine. Nothing bad about it. Just unspectacular.
6: That That's what hurt me more than anything. It's because uns- I, I was, this was one of the reasons why I was going to watch it, AEW this week was for this. And I was, I was disappointed.
0: Well, you know what? You know what it reminded? It, it, they almost wrestled like you wrestle when you know there's not a finish to the match. Like they've played it a little it, safer. Yes. And they didn't give it away because they know they've got another one coming down the road or they want Yeah,
6: it's kind of like well, it, what? It's kind of like two NFL teams playing in week 18, right? Yeah,
0: you're right. They're and they're both in, in the, the playoffs.
6: And they play each other in the wild card. It's you're right. Like it's like the XFL. It's like the XFL a couple of weeks ago. Houston just destroyed Arlington. And the next week, when it really matters, Arlington destroys Houston. And then they go on to win the XFL championship. But you know what? I didn't even think of it that way. It's a good point because that's definitely what it looked like. let's play it safe. We're going to wrestle again probably at the pay-per-view. We'll throw down there. And I, who I just looks, I who don't looks like good
0: when your baby face just blatantly uses a chair in front of the referee? <laughs> like Ricky Starks doesn't look smart or like a great baby face. It doesn't make Jay no. White look good. He's just felt like another random dude.
6: It's yeah, very I mean, disappointing, a- that's for sure. A- yeah, w- the big the- talk was
0: do this that much but I I just I don't think with Jay White in this spot right now he needs to look better than this I don't mind them doing it because they don't do it all the time so if they do it here and there for a storyline okay it it just sort of felt weird because they put it on like it was the main event too so you thought this match was going to go all the way through the end of the show we knew we were going to get the elite at some point and that's what we closed the show with Don Callis which (laughs) was weird. So like we said, Don Callis is your main event. And then <laughs> he gets cut off after saying that he made Kenny Omega. So you have this guy who's been with Kenny for all this time. And then he gets cut off immediately. <laughs> I don't know if that was on purpose and he's going to be, you know, involved in the storyline and involved in the match of the pay-per-view. I will say after Don got out of there, the, the main event, the, the last, Five to seven minutes was one of the most WWE-ish things AEW's done. And it was one of my favorite things AEW's done. I just thought it finally, what, what they did was they finally had Kenny Omega out there looking like a big, big deal. Hangman Adam Page felt like a big deal. The Bucks felt like a, those guys all finally felt like the big baby faces of the company like they should have been from the beginning. It was something weird with all these guys in Cody where they were kind of trying to downplay themselves a lot of the time, especially the Bucks and Kenny. Kenny looked fantastic. He's cut up right now. He's in great shape, like looking, seeing him out there with his shirt off like that. Like he looked like the main event guy. And I thought this was good. And then across from them, you've got Moxley and you've got a bunch of stars in the ring. This felt to me Like a bunch of the main eventers, a big deal. For as critical I've been of a lot of these, a lot of the parts of this, this was good. And I've wanted Kenny to be the guy, the Bucks to be the main tag team. Hangman Page actually felt like he came out there with his music. He felt like the biggest star. And I, I'm definitely excited and interested for this match. And I wonder if Don Callis screws them somehow. And you know the the heels end up winning this thing and we play that story out a little bit more, but I enjoyed this scoop.
6: Yeah. I'm okay with that. Uh, Yeah. And and look, no, no disrespect. uh, But the, I think we jumped the shark with, with Hangman with dark order. It just never was. It just, I don't know. It kind of watered down his, his short world title stint. I, this definitely made him look like the hangman page of old, and I think that's what we needed with him. You know, I, I not that you need somebody with a rebrand or anything, but just with the right players, it just makes that individual look that much better, and that was a good sign with him, uh, him in, in the elite being there. Look, I like the way it ended. I don't have a problem with it. I, I, I just I don't get this Don Callis stuff. I mean, Kenny Omega was around long before Don Callis. I, I just... I like Don Callis when he's doing color commentary. Uh, I don't. I, I've never liked him in this in this managerial role with Kenny Omega. Be interested to see what the ratings are going to be for this week. Uh, you know, uh, heading into uh, uh, the the pay per view for next weekend and Memorial Day weekend. I think it's in Vegas too.
0: Coop, that was a look at AEW Dynamite for this week. Lots of news in AEW. Let's head over to WWE, talk about what we saw on SmackDown and on Raw. First up on SmackDown, we had two fantastic triple threat matches that set up a match. And we now know what our world title match is going to be at the pay-per-view. We're going to have Seth Rollins versus AJ Styles. In the first match, it was AJ versus Edge versus Mysterio which was a blast for these three guys who have been such big fan favorites and just complete guys that will all be Hall of Famers. Two of them already are, and then AJ will be. 16 world title reigns between them. Edge with 11 of them. Um, Yeah, this was a lot of fun. And AJ picks up the win after about 16 or so minutes. Just really good because you truly didn't know which one of these three guys were going to win. Um, especially lately. Like Ray's been in a lot of big moments lately. He's been on TV quite a bit. Edge is someone they think highly of. And, and we haven't seen AJ around. So it really did seem like any one of these three could win. And I don't mind who they went with, with AJ because eventually we have AJ win the next match and we're going to have an awesome match between AJ and Seth.
6: Yeah. Uh, you know, Edge releases that uh, last what Thursday or Friday afternoon. Releases this fantastic promo on Twitter, and you're like, "Oh man, uh, is this a sign that Edge is fixed to uh, to to win this tournament and become the champion here?" Um, yeah, you, you can't be more. If you're a wrestling fan, uh, you can't be more excited right now than to watch these two go at it um, at Night of Champions. Um, you look, they, they, you know, we talk about it every week. There, there's some easy calls here. Is this an easy call where Seth Rollins wins this championship? I would think it's his. Uh, you know, if AJ wins it, there's, you know, he's it's not gonna, like it's a know, bad. Well, that's the thing. It's not like it's a bad choice for AJ. No, no right? No, it, you
0: could you could be fine with AJ. It just wouldn't make a whole lot of sense with the whole it SmackDown. It make thing. sense. Like no, if if no. they're gonna bring him all the way back over to Raw. It's it's weird. So I don't know if they've tipped their yeah, hand wouldn't on be the way to do it. Yeah, on that, but they I mean that the video packages they had and the stuff for Seth on Monday was fantastic.
6: Oh they man, were they doing. were good.
0: They were really good. And I, I like I'm how super- they
6: tease it too. And they he asked the, when Corey Graves asked the question about Roman Reigns, and it's like we'll find out next week. I like that stuff. Me you know? too. I, I it I makes like you want to tune in.
0: Makes you want to yep. tune back in. The second of the triple threat matches was Sheamus versus Austin Theory versus Lashley. Another very good match. The first one was probably a little better and a little more fun. Yeah, yeah. But Lashley picks up the win here. Lashley goes on to face AJ in the main event. And it's AJ that moves on. So the shows when you have a a, a story that's being told throughout the entire night, I, I just love these shows. They, these too. are my favorite types of Raws and SmackDowns. And I think the ones that I'm always the most interested in. Me too. So, a couple just things to quickly mention. we had Grayson Waller. We're gonna have the Grayson Waller effect next week, so love
6: this guy. love this guy man this this is a this is a star. He's a star in the making right here you you're so you're see do this we guy grow into a massive field quick
0: to to like we have maybe one of his first feuds with a j if he's gonna be interviewing a yeah. j for this and maybe right after a j loses he Calls out AJ again and says, oh, you said you were gonna win something like I could see that being a thing for you know him mentioning that he wanted to interview the winner of that match and it's going to be AJ." Um, our our guy Cameron Grimes shows up and hey, hey. poor poor Corbin, but you know what?
6: Oh God, Corbin Grimes gets a a, a, a five second victory over Corbin here. God, poor Corbin, where's he falling down to? He was dressed in the Battle Royal like he was like an MMA fighter or something. He had like these boxing shorts on, and I'm like, what's going on? But I you know, I don't know what to think of this. You know, I, I'm I'm glad that Cameron's on and this is a, you know, a, a quick victory. Would you rather have him a victory like this? Would you rather have him go over someone or have him go over Corbin in a five to ten minute match? I don't know, but it's good to see him on Friday night television. Hey, look, the crowd knew who he was and they popped. They knew he was, then he popped.
0: So, Coop, we uh, keep rolling through SmackDown. Where did we go next? Oh, the Bloodline and Roman Reigns. Here we go.
6: I've got, I, I've got a, I've got a, a, statement here. This is, this is interesting here coming up. So,
0: what Roman, Roman, Roman Reigns <clears throat> and Solo Sokoa are now going to go after Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn for the Undisputed Tag Team Titles. He's mad at the Usos because they didn't win, and then they dedicated a match to him and then lost. I don't like this at all.
6: Um, well, I think, you know where this is going. <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah. I, I think, I think they're going to win the tag team titles. I really do. I, I think that uh, I, I, I don't know, man. I just feel weird about this. Me too. So it it can't be a clean finish. I, I don't think solo is going to get pinned Man, Maybe he does. And, and the Usos get involved. I don't think the Usos are getting involved yet to cause them to lose a match, but there's some talk out there that that Roman Belts, if you want to call him that, him and Solo win this, and they they have a program with the Usos. That's when they turn, and the Usos and and Roman and Solo are fighting it out for the tag team titles. You know, as popular Sammy and, and K.O.R., that buzz is gone it's it's gone it is they're still hot they're when they come out the the crowd pops but you and i both look we got to admit that the pre-wrestlemania pop is not there anymore with these guys
0: now and it's a bummer because their stories didn't it's weird cody got put into another story right away like a good one with with that was hot with with brock and you know what, the crowd's still really into Cody, and and I'm, I'm a little surprised at the moment that they are as much, not that Cody's doing bad, but normally after a baby face like that doesn't win the big title, there's a little bit of disappointment, and there's not been with Cody, it, it hurt Sammy a little bit more, and it hurt Kevin, and I think this would kill, I think this would crush them, if it they lost it to, to Roman again, these tag team titles, I, I think this would be really bad, and and these titles sort of kept them out of being in this world title tournament where Sammy or Kevin could have at least been players like a Sammy Seth match would have been fun, you know, something yeah. like that, or just Sammy in the mix there somewhere. Ah, man. Yeah. I, uh, it's tough.
6: It's tough. I'm worried. Here, they
0: cannot, you cannot, you cannot have them win these titles if Roman's not going to be around again. And you can't That's have true. them holding these titles for a long time. Cause then what about all the other tag teams? And you cannot do the same thing you did where you just create another set of tag team titles. I don't want to do that because Roman has all of the belts. I don't. And
6: that's true. You, know, you know, Roman and Solo could still have a, 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 it's the match would still be hot with the Usos wherever oh, it was, whether it'll it's money in the bank or, you know. So that that's that's a good point there. I, I don't know. I just it it we're it's very intriguing. That was a great promo, by the way. It was great. Uh, what what it was just the way he just clown the usos. Uh, it was just oh man, it was really good. It was really good.
0: Man, it's it's just a. I'm surprised because-
6: this bloodline, uh, bloodline storyline has has? I mean, it's not as hot, of course it can't be. But are you surprised it's going on this long?
0: It. It's just been difficult because Roman. I, I didn't like long. the way yeah. I, I didn't like the way they had Roman go away right after WrestleMania. I think I think they could have told this story better if he would have lost the title. I really do. I think as hot as Cody is right now, you wouldn't have had to create the whole other title, or you could have after Cody won, and you still could have had what you have right now with the tr- with the tournament. I, yeah, I just I, the, the watching it back more. If if he was like going crazy right now because he lost. And I, I feel like it would be better, and I, I think it's hurt all of them. Like you said, Sammy and KO a little bit, and and the Bloodline. Like Solo's the guy who's the the who's looking the greatest right now.
6: Yeah, he is. he's the strongest of this group right now. He really is.
0: Um, other things from SmackDown. What else did we have? Uh, Raquel and Liv picked up the win there in the the tag team match. Then on Monday, we didn't end up getting the tag team title match. That should be coming up soon. Then we had a Bianca Belair championship celebration, which was interrupted by Asuka, who spit the the mist in Bianca's face. So this is like the full heel turn from Asuka, which why didn't we just get this leading into WrestleMania?
6: Oh, man, I know. As soon as it happened, I'm like, this is what we needed instead of these little these little. You know incidents between Oscar and Bianca heading up to WrestleMania that just felt very uncomfortable. I, it did, and I know it, it was uncomfortable for both of them. But you know, this is uh, this is what we get. Hey, look, I, I look. We've been saying it. We've been fantasy booking for a while now. I don't think Oscar wins this title here. I I, I would be shocked. I, I don't know if anyone loses their titles or not. A champions. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. I don't know. But I just think, man, I know she's popular. And I don't think we're going to get a, a street profits turn. But I'm just telling you, Bianca would be a great heel this I summer. Know. I know. Just a great heel going into SummerSlam.
0: Heading over to Monday Night Raw. We opened up Monday Night Raw with Nakamura. Or, or, or actually, where do we start? We actually started with KO and Sammy. The first match was Nakamura versus Miz. KO and Sammy start, they're interrupted by the Judgment Day. And why I don't like where we're headed is because to main event, the Judgment Day beat Sammy and KO. And I just, I'm consistent with this. I don't like champions losing in matches like that. Right. If you're going to do it and you have like a world champion get pinned in a tag match to set up their next opponent. That's the kind of thing I'm okay with. That's don't, one thing, sure. I wouldn't even have minded Sami Zayn losing a singles match to Finn Balor with a bunch of shenanigans outside, or Kevin Owens. I don't like the tag team champions losing in a tag team match that's just a non-title match. I don't like it ever. It bothers me, and I don't think it's a good way to set up your next opponent. These guys could have been, they could have, they could win any number one contenders match, or you could just say that they're going to be the next challengers. You didn't need them to beat Sammy and KO. I thought just sort of skipping to the main event because it kind of ties to what happened at the start. I thought it was a little too much at the main, at the end. Same complaints I have a lot of times with AEW. WWE doesn't do it as much, but. We had, what, the Judgment Day out there, the Usos, Paul Heymans out there. There There's just a lot, like, a lot happening. It it felt like a lot of schmozzy shenanigans to get a loss on our tag team champs.
6: Yeah, not a fan. I loved the match. Um, Liked everything it had up until then. I'm with you. I, I, I don't mind if a tag champ loses a single. I don't mind if a world champ, US you know, US or intercontinental or any type of TV, twenty-four-seven. It doesn't matter. I don't like them losing in a match uh, that they're the champion for, and I, I just I don't. That's what kind of worries me about heading in tonight Champions. That that Roman and Solo win these titles. These guys are you know losing into a match like this. I don't know. I just has not I haven't liked the booking past post WrestleMania for Sammy and KO. And I knew it was going to be this when Cody was the guy to face WrestleMania, to face Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. I, I knew it was going to be like this and they're, in, they're in a u- unique situation. Now look, Hey, K- KO and Sammy may not lose. Um, it, it, I, I don't think the match is schmozzy and it ends in DQ. Maybe it does. And they protect everyone. I just, I don't like this. I love the match. I love the main event. Everything up until the pinfall didn't like it. Just didn't like it, man. I hate when this happens to the champions. Hate it. Don't matter what AEW, TNA, impact. Just, I hate it when this happens. Consistent. Consistent I, about I, yes. it. Yes.
0: I thought both Nakamura and the Miz looked good in this match. Um, yeah. You know, Miz has looked good in the ring. They've probably been wanting him. They, You could see that they've been trying to have him look a little stronger in the ring. And, Nakamura could be set for, you know, where do you want to slot him? You know, in world title contender, IC title contender. I don't know if he wins those titles, but he he feels a little refreshed now over on, uh, on Monday Night Raw. We then had Seth Rollins video packages, which were very, very good with Corey Graves in the sit down. And then uh, we got set up for the Battle Royal, 25 man over the top Battle Royal. IC championship number one contender. Gunther said that whoever wins this, he will have uh, respect for them. They will be a deserving uh, contender. And we have, you know, Corbin, Tzawa, Mansoir. We have Alpha <laughs> Alpha Academy, Humberto Carrillo, J.D. McDonough's in there, Von Wagner, Dolph Ziggler, uh, Viking Raiders, Cedric Alexander, Zion Quinn, Shelton Benjamin. We've got Gargano, Mustafa Ali, Ricochet, um, Riddick Moss. We've got Apollo Cruz, Elias in there. And, uh, Bronson Reed, Mustafa Ali is your winner. I thought it was kind of a fun battle Royal. I thought it seems like it's set up a lot of, uh, possible Feud. feuds yeah. moving forward. And, uh, Mustafa gets the win. The only thing that, that that's, what's weird to me is because of his character recently. He's been, he's basically been a heel, but are they doing this because we're going to Saudi Arabia and they want him to maybe be kind of like baby ish over there?
6: Yeah, uh, I, I thought the ending of this battle, you know, the last seven or eight eliminations were really, really good in, in, in this battle royale. Sometimes battle royals are, are so evident of who's going to win. Um, and I thought they did a pretty good job with setting up Mustafa Ali. Now, that leads me to, do you think it's possible that Mustafa could do the unthinkable at night of champions and upset Guther. Um, I know man, Guther looks so freaking good on TV. He just really does. um, With a loss, you you talk about, you know, let's talk about the, the Wardlow effect here, right? So if Wardlow loses his title and he gets put into the main event picture, uh, right after the AEW pay-per-view next week, what happens if Mustafa Ali goes over Guther somehow, some way, and because there's a lot of talk that Guther is ready right now for that main event spot on Monday Night Raw. Um, you'd have to get the title off of him somehow, some way. I just don't know if that would be good for him if Mustafa Ali was the one that do it. Would you be okay no. if Mustafa goes over, or are we going to keep no. supporting Guther right now? No,
0: I don't like this. It's not okay. built well enough. It's not the right guy, right? Seamus trying to win the the IC title, for his career or a drew McIntyre type, someone that's a main eventer or in a triple threat situation where he doesn't get beat. Yes. I don't like this one for, uh, for him to lose. We had Becky Lynch recapping, uh, Trish Stratish and we're going to have just continued build for them at night of champions. Then we had a little more from Natty and Rhea. Um, yeah, nothing really uh, all poor that Natty, much.
6: She's just in a situation that she's not going to be over in any, you know, the crowd. Uh, look, Rhea is simply so hot. Dominic's so hot, man. Um, I Just poor Natty. You feel for her. She, she, you know, when she does get a chance, it just seems like there's no shot of her going over and winning this title.
0: Uh, Dominic Mysterio actually got beat here. Uh, yeah. Xavier, Xavier Woods picks up yeah. a win. They've had just a fun little TV feud. For a little while, it was, um, you know, it was basically because of Rhea um, behind the referee's back. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think. Um, wait, 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 wait. Okay, I'm. Did I? Woods got the win, right? Right here. Am I right or uh, wrong? No. Did, did Dominic get the victory? I don't know why if I wrote if I wrote it down or because Woods was in control, and then I thought Dominic rolled him up. So I think I might have wrote it wrote it down wrong because I was going through in my notes. Let's see if we can find that real quick, because, yeah, Dom hasn't been losing very much.
6: Yeah, Dom it, won. Maybe Rhea, Rhea got involved
0: in the match. That's what I thought. Okay, because I, I think I just wrote down, Xavier was in control, and then at the end I wrote, Woods win. But no, it was Dom looking back. Dom got the win again because of Rhea. And that's what I... Because if you see Dominic lose, it's noticeable, and that just goes to show you something. Yeah. Like, this guy is treated... Like a a bigger deal now, and it's because they cheat. But sky's the limit for Dominic and uh, and where they could go with him. We had uh, Indu Sheer just to pick up a a pretty quick squash. I like the way a lot of these new call ups have been treated so far. I gotta say, just even it's just a week or so. Indu Shear looks good. Jinder Mahal cuts a promo. We've seen. I thought the video package for J D McDonough was pretty good. I yes. thought even Vaughn Wagner in the Battle Royal looked, yeah. looked solid. And, and I've never been a big fan of Zoe Stark cutting promos. And I didn't really like the Zoe Stark, Nikki Candace stuff this week as much. But I think she's looked like a very capable, like really solid contender in the women's division.
6: Man, they, uh, <clears throat> she, we, we know her work in ring and we know what's been her, Negative has been her, her mic work, and uh, they like her. She's getting segment after segment. She's getting match after match. I assume this will be the next contender for Bianca after Night of Champions, right? Or no, this is Raw. So she would be—and she's kind of a heel, though, right? So she would be a contender to Rhea Ripley. So uh,
0: yeah, I don't know, right? That's, I, that's what's hard. That's what's yeah, hard. Very
6: hard. Yeah, very hard. You're
0: right, so— could reassure we'll see
6: face in a, in a matter of – and be okay, it's just real hard to break up her and, and – And the
0: and the dominant combination because that's good in yeah, the judgment so thing. So
6: good, yeah. Yeah, but I tell you what, Zoe's good, man. She's really good. That'll be a good match. Her and Candace next Monday night will be good.
0: Chelsea Green picks up a win – or Chelsea Green, our, she always picks up wins in our hearts, Chad. She does. But she loses to Raquel, but this was mainly because they couldn't have the women's tag team match yet. Um, they're going to have that match – is it going to be this week?
6: Uh if <laughs>
0: Liv comes back. But but what was more about this, it was that post-match, Rhonda and Shayna are back. And Rhonda, I will say, this is the best that I thought Rhonda's looked in a long time, just as far as like she cared about what was happening in this segment. So, you know, we were expecting this from uh Rhonda and Shayna for a while. And as long as Chelsea is still on TV. Like, I don't think this hurts a character like no, Chelsea's no, because no. she's not being built up to be some baby face star. She's a, like a whiny schmarmy heel right now. So yeah. this is great. Like her getting beat up like this, she's going to have something more to complain about now.
6: Yeah. I have no problem with this. Um, I, I, I thought for a hot minute there a while back that they were going to steal these tacky, ch- uh, titles. Um, I do like the fact that they've been chasing. It's unfortunate that Liv was hurt on SmackDown. This sets up Ronda and Shayna to come out, so this definitely probably takes uh, Chelsea and Sonya out of the equation. But they've surprisingly, you know, usually when the WWE puts two people together that really don't go together, you know, a natural fit that you only see a week or two, but they've been able to do... A lot of good things and they do good segments on on instagram and twitter um no it, it, you would think with this karen type gimmick you know she's she's used to losing all these matches um i, I don't know how severe the live injury is i hate that for live um you know we we finally got okay maybe we get some stability here with the wwe women's tag team championships for change and then she gets hurt um but yeah, this was for Ronda and Shayna and I agree with you. I think Ronda looked really really good in that segment on Monday night. I've
0: been really liking Liv and Raquel too. Like they're like
6: <laughs> I think that get invested.
0: <laughs> like they're they've got a really fun dynamic with like the size. Their looks are different too. Um and they're they've been wearing the matching gear recently, which I thought is a good a good little ad and even you could say when they come down to the ring together, they seem like they're having fun. Like yeah. live, it yeah. seems like Liv just said something stupid that Raquel's laughing about, and you know, like they're laughing, trying not to like, to smile. It's, I like that, and I think it'll be a good foil for them with uh, with Rhonda and Shayna. And Then that main event, we had a, uh, yeah, the uh, Judgment Day versus Kevin and and Sammy, and the match was was very good, like you would expect. But we had Imperium out there. We've got Gunther out there. We've what'd got Haman. Yeah,
6: what you? We we didn't that kind of slipped us. What do you think about Paul uh, using the services of Imperium to get involved?
0: And maybe that's what happens with the tag team championship, right? Could you see something like that where Imperium yeah,
6: yeah. helps man, Imperium them, looks good, man? They them lose
0: good. and then that puts Sammy and KO in a like a feud with Gunther for the IC title or something yeah. like that. I could, oh yeah, I could even see that being a thing. That was a. Uh, Monday Night Raw this week, let's quickly head on over and talk about some of the things we liked from NXT. We continued on with the Women's Championship Tournament quarterfinal. This this match didn't go long. It only went five minutes. I actually thought Fallon Henley is really showing a lot of improvement in the ring. And I, th- I think she's looking better and sort of carrying herself better. And Cora Jade, the time away for her, has been really good. She just She has this aura where she feels like a big star. And right now, if you told me Cora or if you told me Roxanne or if you told me Tiffany, I could honestly see any of them winning this thing.
6: Yeah. First, let's talk about Fallon. I'm glad you mentioned that because she was young coming into a WWE contract. She had been on the indie indie scene, not not for a long period of time, but – she always had the look and she's gotten a lot better and I don't know what's happened to Cora but some light switch has it look and she she's really really young let's let's not forget that she's young we know Roxanne Perez is and Cora's young too but this her being away for a month or two I, I don't know what has happened but a light switch has come on and she looks like a different person inside that ring look she's She's got that skinny look, so she's not going to be overbearing in matches, you know, that strong style. And so it's harder for these type of workers, even on the men's side. There's skinny guys that uh, that have been tough to believe. But something's changed, and this match was really, really good. Now, I, you know, are we revisiting this Cora-Roxanne feud for this championship? And Tiffany again gets let's out left out in the cold? Because I tell you what, Tiffany Stratton is... I, that's another one that's uh, that that's probably destined for a main roster spot sometime later this year. This this has been a fun tournament. I'll say this: it's been a really good tournament, and I'm okay with any of the endings. I, I just I have a feeling we're going to revisit Cora and Roxanne for this finals uh, coming up. Don't you think?
0: I think so too. Yeah, we yeah. May, we may. Tiffany's t- totally fine option though. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh sure, sure. And I think because see. It just feels like right now with with Tiffany and with Cora, I guess you probably have better heel options if it were like Roxanne to win. So I, yeah. think I wouldn't have minded someone like Gigi, you know, oh, I know. Gigi, you could have had in feuds with Tiffany and with Cora also. And that would have worked. But it seems like she's maybe a little disgruntled right now. I, th- I think I heard she posted some stuff on on social media that she wasn't all that happy or she wanted to go back to maybe a different character or different sort of gimmick, uh, Gigi. We had Kiana James and, uh, Tia Hale get into it. Um, but Duke Hudson's not paying attention because he's grading papers, uh, in the the background. (laughs) Um, so Braun, Braun Breaker is at the, uh, the barbershop. Right. We see Braun Breaker at the barbershop. And I thought Braun has looked fantastic. Yeah. But I actually texted you, or I, I sent you a message <laughs> and said my favorite thing that happened all the week <laughs> long was when in the ring, Carmelo and Trick are out there and Drew Gulak and Charlie Dempsey come out. And Charlie Dempsey is wearing like all purple gear. It, <laughs> and I have never noticed that the guy looks like Gene Wilder. Yeah. Willy yeah. Wonka in the Chocolate Factory <laughs> and the crowd somehow just starts chanting Willy Wonka. <laughs> and I will say they they did a fantastic job of like playing it off here. They mentioned a couple things that couldn't have been like they were like live, right? Like they yeah, they say live. I'm going to like what what were some of the Chocolate Factory references they made? He said something like I, I was really impressed with all these guys, and I, you know, I was very impressed with Gulak and Debsey because they didn't—they didn't break character here. It would have been really easy to start laughing when the whole crowd's chanting Willy Wonka for the dude. And man, I, I this made me laugh so hard.
6: Which, by the way, is one of the greatest movies of all time. Oh, it right? is. And I it never is. thought my life would be
0: anything but catastrophe. <laughs> Love it.
6: It was uh, the remake was was bad, but the original was on just the other day, and it's just something so where good. it,
0: it it's, doesn't it's matter. It's
6: creepy, right? Yeah, it's creepy. don't it, think about
0: watch now for like a little kid; it would be scary as hell. But I love that thing.
6: Yeah, man, it, it, and it doesn't matter if you see it on cable t- TV or if you see you catch it in the middle or at the end. You're always glued to it, and it's just uh, it, it's the storytelling in it's so good. But yeah, when the crowd, when the NXT uh, crowd uh took over and started chanting Willy Walker. I just oh my god. I don't yeah, it it was it was it was one of the better parts of this week uh on TV wrestling was the Willy Walker reference.
0: <laughs> so there's like going to be some sort of weird murder stuff going on with oh Di- Jack and Dragonoff. Yeah. Um <laughs> Yeah, this is a little intense. Not, I, not think, ex- I,
6: I think Dragunov is going to be main roster. I think there's a lot of talk of him even joining Imperium or something.
0: Nice. Okay. Okay. That could be cool. So he,
6: he, could, he could be losing this match here and getting getting murdered off. <laughs> getting <laughs> you know, murdered or, off screen strong. like the, uh, like yeah, our guy, like match. pretty
0: deadly gets pretty thrown. Deadly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> pretty deadly. Um, we had the Creed brothers in a good
6: tag match. I like that. I like it. With this. like
0: 14 minutes, they win and then they call out. Um, uh, and and challenge for the tag team championship. Dyad. So yeah, like they're going to be uh, facing the dyad soon. Tony D's in some trouble. Yeah,
6: he's in some trouble. <laughs> Man,
0: he's eating he's eating dinner, and the cops show up, and he's got to be questioned. A few ongoing investigations. You think our guy Stacks turned him in?
6: I something is fishy, right, about this? Because yeah. he kind of is just, you know, there at the end, like, oh, well, you know, yeah. <laughs> this is, I like it though. I like it. Look, this is Tony, like OG Tony
0: D. I love this. This man, reminded Tony me D. of the beginning of Tony D, and I love it.
6: Yeah, remember he's walking down the streets of Brooklyn and New York City, just walking around talking about pizza. Remember he's got the, the dude in his in this trunk.
0: He's yeah, got the one guy it. in the trunk, and he starts making noise, and he pump. Hey, pipe down back there. He
6: pipe down back there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I I got a kick out of this Um, So uh, Then we had Carmelo and Trick versus Dempsey and Gulak And following that match, Carmelo and Trick Win, that was when we saw Braun Breaker And he was at the barber shop. And he said he needed a fresh cut before the match And so he was in there Sort of like with this badass energy To all of Mello and Trick's friends I thought that was pretty cool I really liked yeah. it, Braun looks like such a badass Right now Dude
6: yeah i i just I, I don't know how much longer they're going to keep him in nxt uh, this hill character needs to be a part of the main roster now the question is would you rather see him on raw or smackdown i i don't care at this point i think he probably fits better on friday nights because it seems like he, he's that type of character but man I, again if this was what we got in the beginning he wouldn't be here now he would have automatically been but this this guy is again another light switch to you know, we've seen this guy lose to Dolph Ziggler, the NXT championship. Remember, we've seen all kind of goofy stuff happen to this guy within a year. But this is the best presentation to Braun Breaker. And you kind of feel sorry for or for Carmelo a little bit here because he's this hot name who's so over and won the title. And then you but, get but Braun Breaker feels like you wanted. He feels I like a big star here, man. He feels like a big star here.
0: He really does. Uh, just a couple of quick hit positives as we finish up here. I like Tia Hale. I think she's improving. Me I think in too. a ring, she could be a really fun baby face. She loses to Kiana James. Um, okay. I also like Noem Dar. I think Me he's too. a good heel. He's got the Me Heritage too. Cup out there. He's wearing the Burberry stuff like a, <laughs> like, M, like an FJF. Um, yeah. He even said, I'm sorry, Miss Jackson. Oh, that was um, great. That was great. It was hilarious. He was interrupted by Lash Legend. Um, we then had Tyler Bate. Who's now going to be challenging Wes Lee. Um, Joe Gacy sort of uh, told Wes Lee how uh, Tyler Bate was was really kind of uh, screwing him and was kind of lying to him just to get a spot. So Wes is going to take on both of them in a triple threat. Wes is upset. I thought he actually looked pretty good in, in this. And I, I really like Wes and, and what they've been doing with him recently. I think he's been one of the real unsung heroes of uh of NXT last few months
6: yeah I'll, I'll piggyback off of that um I, he's been really really good we know things could have went really south with him when the tag team no he's brought over in a tag team um and it just that didn't work out for for known reasons but uh i'll say this too man joe gacy has been a lot more appealing since that goofy little troll type whatever he was trying to do uh since the beginning of NXT 2.0 he's he's been a lot more tolerable how about that I I like this version of Joe Gacy too is he gonna go over and win the championship no but he just seems a lot better when he's got away from that that dark stuff that he was trying to do
0: Koopa Loop we had Roxanne versus JC for that women's championship quarterfinal Roxanne gets the win and then after there's a stare down with Tiffany um, and then Gigi charges and she brawls with JC. So I'm sure we'll get those two <laughs> to continue on uh, Roxanne and Stratton. We're going to head that way next. And uh, yeah, we finished up uh tricking and mellow um, and then die. Jack still torturing, Dragon. Yeah.
6: Hey, and Carmelo did this, what he did some kind of shooting out of the ring and jumping on the security guards. Uh, you know, just I, it, look, NXT is so talented. That roster is so talented. We're going to start seeing a lot of newer faces because, you know, the draft took a lot of heart and soul away from that brand. But um, the places that are, are the people that are put in those places, those champions down there are, are, are deserving. And this is, you know, I we crapped on NXT 2.0. And we tried to say the best of the best that we could for those guys. But I'm telling you, if if you don't watch all the wrestling every week, for the five hours WWE on Monday and Friday, the two hours for for Dynamite. I, you're doing yourself an injustice if you miss NXT. I just think they're doing a really, really good job on Tuesday nights, man. I really do. I, I like that brand.
0: It's the most consistent show of the week. It
6: is. It is. It's, That's a good it's way the, of putting it.
0: Yeah, it's it's um a, a, a lot of um the, the least amount of misses, I think, honestly.
6: And it's Who? all these it, it's a lot of these young people, it, it, you get to grow with them. And and you get, then they get to the main roster. You have this connection with them. I I just think that's fun to follow.
0: They've hit uh, this and, and like there's, there's ups and downs, like anything, right? You have, you have good years for the teams you root for and bad. This group, about a year and a half ago, when we saw them all show up, we, Cora, Carmelo, uh, Wes, Braun, a lot of them, they were young, they were new, they were green, and now they're experienced. Like you can just. You can just see it. Like, you can <laughs> really feel good. it. Um, Coop-a-loop, my man. Thanks so much for hanging out with us again. Looking forward to, yeah. to chatting with you next week where we'll dive into everything going on in the world of wrestling. Make sure to follow Chad at TheChadCooper on Twitter and on Instagram. He'll be here talking wrestling each and every week. Have a great weekend, my friend.
6: All right, Gino. We'll talk to you next week, bud.
0: Make sure to give Chad a follow there. He'll probably be hanging out with CM Punk this weekend. <laughs> taking some pictures somewhere but don't talk about him chad because he'll call you out on instagram (laughs) in an instagram story that'll maybe help that's what g said though we'll get a couple more listens on that if so so maybe do call him out chad cooper we'll talk to coop next week and that's gonna do it for this episode of that's what g said a big thank you to Coopaloo. chad coop for helping us out with this week in wrestling thanks to Eric, for talking NBA. We had This Week in Stable Duel. We pulled the audio from that one with Barry and with Matt. Angela Herman helping us out with Pimlico. Hope we made you some money this weekend. Kept you informed on everything going on in the world of sports. Good luck. We'll talk to you again next week.
3: So you want your daily those